Blog Talk Radio. Rat on with the rat on. You know, Mama, there's one thing everybody's got in common. Nobody wants to be alone. Because a man without a woman is just like Long Ranger. Listen, everybody needs some loving. And everybody
I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, it's a damn shame, what the world's gotten to, for people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up, and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world With an old soul These rich men know the rich men Lord knows it all Just wanna have total control Wanna know what you think Wanna know what you do And they don't think you know But I know that you do Cause your dollar ain't shit And it's tax to no end Look out for miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the streets, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milking welfare. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, for people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. But I know that you do, cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's tax to no end, cause the rich men, not the rich men. I've been selling my soul. Working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. Damn thing left, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> yes, it is. 
Somebody doing something slick Yeah, they are Got me wondering Which is which Mighty well go up down to ask Dig a dish, ain't that a bitch Yes, it is Bitch. Let me tell you about my qualifications. I program computers. I know accounting and psychology. I took a course in business. And I can speak a little Japanese. I fucked on. Got to work two years to get one week off with pay. And when I'm on my job, I better watch every word I say. Ain't that a bitch? Somebody doing something slick Downtown Got me wondering Which is which Might as well go outside and Dig a ditch, ain't that a bitch Way too cold Ain't that a bitch Make me wanna holler Supermarket to get myself something to eat, and when I looked at the price, they knocked me off of my feet. I was in the baloney section, and I had to take myself a close look. Now, our bar couldn't have made these prices with a sky hook. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> yes, it is. Somebody doing something slick. Yeah, they are. Me wondering which is which. Might as well go up down the end. Dig a ditch, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> now, ain't that a bitch?
Mayat Hotep, Grand Rising, Better Love, something slick is going on. We have Dr. Robert X for him tonight, and he's doing a series on white supremacy and black faith. How are you doing, Dr. Robert X? Uh, uh, and the subtitle, Bev, is A Freak in Africa. Uh, yes, A Freak in Africa. Absolutely. I'm doing fine, Bev. I'm wide awake. Hotel, okay. Hotel. <laughs> yeah, just to let the family so I, know, uh-huh. I went to sleep. I fell asleep, family. Now, you'll hear me all the time talking about the fact that I don't eat very much before the form. And that doesn't matter if it's the form here or the radio. And it's because I get sleepy. I don't know what yeah. they're putting in the food, but it makes me sleepy. And I did the unthinkable. I ate about two and a half or three hours before the radio program. And the last thing I remember, because uh, I was doing my reading and getting prepared, the last thing I remember was like about 640 when I woke up, it was about 10.40. <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. Shoot, I fell asleep on the air that time. Yeah. I had eight before I went on, and I couldn't hold it. Yeah, so that's why you hear me all uh, always <laughs> talking about uh, when I get off the air, I'm going to get me something to eat because that's basically mm-hmm. and that I've eaten all day. So mm-hmm. that's what. I'm still alive, very much alive. As a matter of fact, (laughs) I will make sure that if I feel myself getting close to my deathbed, I'll call Bev so she can let everybody know I'm ready to make my transition. So I'll go to the first word, bleed out. All right. Hey, and I see uh, the guy that that you uh, introduced us to the the song the 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 guy from where is he from uh, Tennessee or somewhere of uh, Kentucky uh, he blew up he blew up on the internet over the uh, weekend millions of uh, views he got an eight million dollar contract uh, one of the record companies he turned it down ain't that something mm-hmm. How about, uh, or the kind of guitar Watson, ain't that a bit? Yes. Now, who does that? You have to have strong convictions to do things like that. So what he basically saying is. for the money. Exactly. That's a rare commodity in 2023. Don't take my word for it. Ask the corpse and his son. They've been taking money hand over fist using fake email accounts with one of the fake email accounts, Bill. You can't make this up, Bill. One of the the courses, fake email accounts that he was using to hide the transactions that they were doing, him him and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, his son, was pedo Pete. No, he didn't do that. He act like he bragging. There, these people felt like 
they didn't have to hide what they did to any degree. Yeah, they because they were running everything. Exactly. And I, I also mentioned last week, Bev, that mm-hmm. these black women had mm-hmm. better take another route to seek fame and fortune if that's what they're after. Because the one that they're on going to leave them holding the bag. Them people behind the scenes, they ain't going to do nothing to them. Mm-hmm. Why they got them out that's, there? Hey, that's okay. Some people you can't tell. What, what did our parents used to tell us? A hard head make a soft ass? I, I've known that for as long as I could speak English. So you're absolutely correct. But now they're talking about indicting them. Because, Bear, as I said before, which is why I haven't really dealt with this to any great degree, because it's all bogus to begin with, Mm -hmm. all of it. None of the stuff that they're doing is lawful. They're just hoping that they can sneak it by and buy some time. But what they didn't anticipate was the level of popularity. And I think they really did know, Bear. You think they, they knew? They know how to do it is. Go ahead, Bear. No, I was just saying, you know, they control presidents for eons. So you don't think yeah. that they thought that they could, once he got in there, that you know, because you could see all their plans they had. They was going to blackmail for women's, this is all the things they've been doing to, to people for, like I say, eons. So yes. maybe they didn't. They thought that one of the things that they were going to do, it was going to get to them. They didn't know that he could ride that wave and yes. not fall off the surfboard. And and basically the thing that basically propelled him there was just telling the truth. That's what that's that's what did it. Because they could never catch him. In them lies that they had to end up lying on him, and they got caught lying on yeah. him. <laughs> so the we said, you, yeah. the oh, best yeah. way to deal with counterintelligence is what, Bear? How do you counter counterintelligence? The truth is that what you're talking That's about. it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's not counter counterintelligence. You don't come up with a series of lies to to counter what they're doing. You just tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Let the rest of it deal with itself because that's what's going to happen. And particularly during these particular times that we're in, family. Okay? Because if you ain't figured out that much of what you're getting in terms of mainstream media is a bunch of lies, I, I don't know, you know, I can't say very much to that. 2023, that's foreign to me. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way now because the lies are so ridiculous and they never stop because that's what happens when you start telling lies. You can't stop. You can't. Nope. So... That's what you see going on with the courts. Everywhere he go, and he open his mouth, what comes out? 
a lie? All the time. And then that propels the people around him to lie for him as well. So you got this whole orbit of lies, and everybody can see it because none of it is hidden. And it's like every day there's a new revelation. And watch this, Bear. I believe Barack Obama is right on the edge of all of this. For some reason, they tend to want to leave him out. Uh, the courts was working for him. He put I the think courts. They're saving him. I think they're saving uh, him for last. The final finale. That that could very well be, Bear. Okay, that's an excellent point. Because him and his wife, look, mm-hmm. I, Bev, I heard, now I don't, I don't know how true this is, but I heard that he's getting ready to come out the closet. I'm, but he's going to bring, mm-hmm. Go bring his wife with him. He's going to admit that she's Michael. a tranny. Okay. Uh, the the young people, you know, and I'm you know I'm I'm surfing and checking they they uh, shows out and things, and they all own it. it ain't no they all no over him, Bear. It's yeah, everywhere. They own him, and they own him and Oprah Winfrey. Yep, and it's because of Chef Boy ID. Mm-hmm. I said them SpaghettiOs will get you every time. <laughs> but look, Ooh, and I remember Chef Boy D and Hot Dog. Oh, my God. That was a quick meal, right quick. Okay, I bet. I, I, I hate to be on the other side of you on this one, but I couldn't stand <laughs> spaghetti and stuff in the can, Bev. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we was children, that's what we ate. The chef yeah. Boy oh, yeah. and hot dogs. <laughs> Listen, I love pork and beans. Oh, yeah, I like right them, too. Can. And hot dogs, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a meal for me with some good garlic yeah, bread that, or something, right? Yeah, that's what we <laughs> have for a meal. <laughs> but it's just amazing, Bear. Uh, one of the things I was looking for uh, was a comment from Chef Boyardee's family. Mm-hmm. There. I've mm-hmm. seen recent videos, and I didn't keep it because it, it's just too iffy, that they claim was showing Michelle and Barack Obama being photographed on Epstein Island. Yeah. Or with Richard, or on Richard Branson's island, and mm-hmm. Epstein was there. One mm-hmm. women to Barack Obama in his administration. Uh, what was this little white girl's name? Uh, I can't think of her name. At any rate, she was supposed to be the Karen uh, Catherine Room Rumor. Mhm. Okay. She was supposed to be a connection between Obama, Jeffrey Epstein, and J.P. Morgan Chase. Because remember, Bear, 
Obama was the one sending the message about the succulent hot dogs that he was going to have shipped from Chicago. Yeah. Now, I find it interesting, Bear, family, that all over Larry Sinclair, who had documentation and a limo driver that could put Barack Obama with Larry Sinclair having sex in the limo. So all these people, like uh, David Garrow, the guy that wrote the book on Barack Obama, uh, all of a sudden, he's resurfaced. So all this stuff is, is coming back up. You want to say something, Bear? Mm-mm. I'm listening. <clears throat> and I just find that quite interesting because I remember when he wrote the book, and uh, we talked about it briefly. I don't think we went into it in any detail. But I specifically recall him saying in the book that Barack Obama chose to be straight, that he had the option to be gay or straight, and he chose to be straight. Okay. You mean well, you mean when he was for him to <clears throat> when they told him they was making him president. So you saying he had the option he could be a straight guy as a president or a gay guy. That's what you're this saying. Is before, this is before he was a president. Way okay. before. Because he was having sex with Sinclair back in the early two mm-hmm. thousand. Okay, and uh, according to Sinclair, they in the limo in the hotel smoking crack. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, of course, Sinclair gets hit by a car. He, they say he's in a car accident. No, one car accident. Okay, but it was not a secret to some of us here in Chicago who saw through the facade that is Barack Obama. Okay? And I know people didn't like it. (laughs) If you've been listening to this program for any amount of time, you know one thing we don't do is we don't play the fame game. Okay, this ain't about fame. This is about survival of, of a, uh, a a race of people. Okay? So we don't get caught up in it. But I thought it was interesting that I saw uh, David Garrow being interviewed. So I thought that the family might find this extremely interesting. Okay, so check this out, family. Let me um, end off. I want to go back to the heart of the book. One thing that really is sort of coming back to the fore again is this, this, you know, the fact that you interviewed uh, 
Barack Obama's former girlfriend and, and, the, and the specifics of, of that part of his origin story. Why is that so important and why do you think that still resonates right now? And talk a bit about it. I forget it. Sheila um, Jagger. Yeah, Jagger. Okay. Yeager. Um, that really seems to hit a chord with people. And, and tell us a little bit about what, what happened there. One of the most striking things about Dreams from My Father, Barack's memoir, is the utter absence of women from the book. I mean, not mm-hmm. just the three future girlfriends, uh, but his mother, too. Um, now, raised I mean, any, <laughs> yes, um, anyone doing a biography wants to identify and interview um, all the important people in, in your subject's life. Um, Alex McNear, Barack's first serious girlfriend, Genevieve Cook, uh, second in New York in the mid-'80s, and then Sheila Yeager, uh, with whom he lived for three years or so in Chicago. Uh, so I went and uh, spent a day or more with Alex, uh, actually went to Australia, where Genevieve lives, to spend several days with Genevieve. Um, Sheila had never been named before. Um, and, again, we talked earlier about how incurious the journalism was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was public that Barack, you know, had a girlfriend with whom he lived in Chicago who was a grad student. Um, and no one had ever made the effort to, you know, go look at the student directory uh, to see who else was living at the same address as Barack Obama. Uh, that's how I found Sheila, um, my, my great uh, younger research assistant at, at Chicago, uh, went to Regenstein Library and, you know, pulled these old, dusty student directories off the shelf. Um, we also found a very nice couple who lived right upstairs from them, uh, whom I talked to, too. Um, you know, anyone, uh, I think, is going to have, uh, you know, multiple relationships when they're, you know, age 20 to age 30. Uh, there's nothing particularly unusual or remarkable about that. Uh, Sheila's story is is so important, so powerful, um, because she's living with him while he's doing the community work on the far south side. Uh, that's the first time Barack has been in a majority black cultural setting, you know, before Chicago. Um, you know, he grew up in Hawaii. Most of his college friends were international students. Um, when he's in New York, uh, similarly. He's, he's not living in a, a black context whatsoever. He's looking for a you know, financial services firm. Um, and so Sheila was, was present uh, during this very formative period when Barack embraces uh, his black identity. Um, and also when Barack is having his first thoughts uh, about a political career in the future. Um, yeah. That's why he to go to Harvard Law School in, in 1988. And she gives a very different interpretation of some of the key facts from his 1995 book. Let's just make that oh, clear. Yes. yes. Um, the, 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 uh, uh, the you know, composite girlfriend who appears in, in Dreams from My Father is perhaps maybe a third Alex, a third Genevieve, a third Sheila. I mean, they're, they're very different people. Um, but um, you know you don't uh, you don't get to meet the real Barack Obama uh, reading Dreams from My Father. Um, as, as I said back then, and it's a phrase that um, I can frankly say angered, still angers Barack. 
uh, it's a work of historical fiction. Well, let me just say, I want to just remind people why, what it was that Sheila talks about that was so important, because little bits and pieces are coming out, even things like this letter that he wrote to her where he, you know, allegedly had thoughts about a gay relationship or wanting that, that's now back in the press. To your mind, what is the heart of, of why Sheila matters and why we should have been curious about her in terms of what uh, it says about Barack Obama? I mean, just, just one small um, uh, timing point. Um, the, the, that letter in question is from November 1982. It, it's to Alex yep. McNear. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive it, me. Yeah. No, and it, it's, it's in the, you know, uh, archives at, at, Emory, at Emory University. Any, anybody can go and read that letter. They, they won't let you take a, a picture of it, um, but anyone can, can go and read that. That's, you know, public record. Um, you know, Sheila, um, uh, you know, as I, I said just a moment ago, you know, Sheila was present, um, you know, when Barack is really adopting a, a black identity. And that changes their relationship. Um, because she was a white, a white girlfriend, for those who did not know. Well, I mean, this guy... I, I guess a, a mixed, a, mixed, uh, mixed uh, race, I suppose. Yes. She's got Japanese heritage as well. Yes. Yes. Um, she, you know, she, she was uh, half Dutch, half Japanese. She does not identify as white. Um, and also, uh, she was Dutch uh, grandparents uh, were... Um, very much involved in protecting Jews during World War II, um, and they're honored at Yad Vashem in, in Israel, um, the Heroes of the Holocaust uh, Memorial. Um, and one of the issues in, in Chicago politics at that time was black anti-Semitism. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this looms larger to David Samuels in our tablet interview than it does to me. Uh, tablet is, I think, focused yeah. toward the Jewish um, but Sheila was angry uh, that Barack did not share uh, the intensity of her feelings uh, about just how vile uh, black anti-Semitism was. That's from Forbes family. You can Google that, David Garrow forward slash Forbes. And uh, you should be able to get that video. But, Bev, how many times have we pointed out that this dude didn't have no black lineage, that the only reason he came into the black community was because he had been given order by, orders by his handlers, his CIA handlers, because that's where he come from. Okay? And uh, I find it interesting that shortly before uh, Mayor Washington died, he had been introduced to Barack Obama. Okay? Uh, And I've already stated, just for those who didn't know, uh, Harold Washington was a homosexual dude. So, but Harold Washington to me was like, uh, what's the black author that went to France with the big eyes? Langston Langston Hughes or that other one? You're no, about not the old him. One with the big eyes. You talk, I know who you're talking about. Somebody in anyway. the chat room can tell us his name. Uh, James Baldwin. Thank you, chat room. James Baldwin. Yes, Harold Washington was like a 
uh, a James Baldwin and probably had mm-hmm. the same kind of vocabulary, okay? Uh, them homosexuals was black first. And they made that quite clear. Okay. So they were, uh, they were what you call conscious homosexuals? Yes. Okay. No doubt about it. Because they were masters of the English language. Thing about people who mastered the English language. Remember, that's part of trivium quadrivium. You you quickly uh, understand that you can mesmerize an audience with mastering the language. That's Malcolm, okay, as well. So that's what these people had over somebody like a Barack Obama, who never mastered the English language uh, or much of anything else. But he had to get black credentials. So that's why he went and got this big, tall, homely black girl. Y'all know her as Michelle. Uh, and married her. And, of course, that also entailed joining a black church because that's how you run for political office. Okay? So that's what he did. As, you, as David Garrow stated, uh, there was nothing black about Barack Obama. He never had anything to do with black people. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Said you, that for years now. And we said he was sold to you like a box of grits or a box of rice or something. Mm-hmm. All right. And turned this dude into something that he never was. Ever. Still is not. And that's a black man. I, I remember when he came out, too, that some of the people were saying, this guy not real. He comes from the laboratory because he had a scar in his head. Yes. Yes. So, you know, some of us uh, could see through the facade. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, as the case is, most of us couldn't see through it. We basically bought the box of grits. Yeah. And when we got it home, did we realize that the expiration date? (laughs) (laughs) It was good. (laughs) Yeah, they can sell you some old shit. You think you got a new box of grits, and the expiration date was six months ago. Mm -hmm. That's Barack Obama. Because you see, he's responsible for the death of more black people through his policies than perhaps any president in the history of this country. But they they were doing what they're doing now with Barack, just like we see how they're doing the black women. That's what they did. They put a black face on what yep. they doing, what they were doing. That same you thing. You're absolutely correct. And you can you can take it and expand it somewhat, family, because I know everybody here that Barack Obama is behind the scenes, basically running this, this administration, right? Mm-hmm. All heard that. Well, you know, there's got to be a well in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question then becomes, 
because he didn't put himself in the White House in 2008. He didn't put himself there. The question then becomes, who is his handlers? You see? And when you see who his handlers are, you know he comes straight from the intelligence community. That's his handlers. That's his M.O. That's who he is. That's what he is. He's CIA and nothing else. Zero. I mean, I don't care anything about his personal life per se. All right? That's up to him. What I care uh, what I care about is the deceit that he brings uh with him. He's a very deceitful dude. That's what's important. So he basically let down a whole nation of people. told you you own your own unless you took it in the butt now if you took it in the butt he opened up them doors and let them all out and said y'all can do whatever y'all want to do we got you long as i'm here we getting ready to remake america what he was basically telling you that what you were buying was white supremacy and blackface. You bought Uncle Ben. That's white supremacy and blackface. A box of grits. Or do Uncle Ben make the rice? Either way, it don't matter. It was a product. And that's all it was. And I just wonder, Sister Bear, if uh, the chef's wife is going to step up to the plate, because that's a black woman too. All right? And if somebody murdered my, my wife, I'd be raising hell all over the place if I cared about them. But don't you find it interesting? And maybe I just missed this because I don't watch mainstream media. Maybe they did interview his wife. But I just find that quite interesting that the Obamas were supposed to be so close to this dude, to Chef Boy ID, but yet I ain't seen no overtures to his wife. So you know I had to go and look, family, to see if the wife has said anything because that doesn't make sense. Uh, On top of the fact, as we pointed out there, that's my observation that this dude went and started playing goof. I know what that means. Absolutely. And we know that because we've seen it over and over. And and by the way, family, just so there's no confusion, 
it was under his tenure that Libya was just blown to pieces. Slavery was reinstituted under his uh, administration. And to this day, that dude won't miss in Libya, and most black people won't miss in Libya, because as I said at the time, Muammar Gaddafi was doing more for African people than any black man on the planet. Any black man on the planet. The media wasn't telling people that. If Farrakhan hadn't said nothing, we wouldn't have knew nothing about it. Yeah, him and and a cadre of other people. Those of us who knew, right, we said it. But, of course, when you're dealing with marketing, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult marketing that's been ingrained in people. And particularly, AI-oriented, computerized marketing, even more acute, meaning the messages that they send you, uh, you're probably going to respond to it if you have been susceptible to the programming. And as I keep saying, all you have to do is look at our behavior. Although it's kind of breaking up now, like a bad cold is finally starting to break up. But you could tell by our behavior that the people are being programmed. It's just, it wasn't difficult. I knew, I know what the response is going to be for the most part from us in a given situation. And it has been holding true until recently. Now, it ain't going away completely, and I don't expect it to. But I can see gradual movement because, again, man, I saw so much stuff with black people talking about Obama and his chef, or Chef mm-hmm. Boy ID. Man, i never seen anything dealing with this dude. Yeah. Uh, and he blew up a whole country. He, he, for the most part, is the father of um, the U.S. military-industrial complex's uh, incursion into Africa, which basically began the recolonization of Africa. That's what he was there for. He was there to ease the way of the military-industrial complex back in the African. If you look at his tenure in office, there were so many coups in Africa, you couldn't keep up with them. Okay? And that was basically to put that joint military command, AFRICOM, in place. We said it back then. We're only reiterating it now. And it's even more dangerous now. We didn't know at that time that they were controlling all of the so-called terrorist groups, creating fake stories about some lost boys and all this kind of stuff. All right, We knew that all that was phony. 
But you got to remember, at that time, ain't no such thing as no ISIS. Obama don't create ISIS until Friday the 13th when uh, the remake of the movie Rosemary's Baby, right, with the black woman playing Rosemary this time. She having sex with the devil, right? That movie comes out, and on Friday the 13th, Obama introduces ISIS, psychologically put in place to represent the fake feminine energy. And we go back and at that time, Bear family, mm-hmm. and we look at what transpired. You can't find anything in that that don't add up. Because if you didn't see the thing with the black women back then, and, and believe me, I, I feel the sisters. I ain't here to beat up on sisters. I love them too much. Feminine energy is extremely destructive. This is before Black Lives Matter and all of that. Somebody say, somebody say he weaponized a peaceful goddess, ISIS. That's a hell of a way to put it. I couldn't agree with uh, that person more. That's exactly what he did. And turned the goddess the feminine energy into a terrorist organization. Yeah. Of all names, you don't call it that, ISIS. Absolutely. So that's that dude's forte. But now they're all over him. And I would I would hope that dude's wife, uh, I don't know what she knows. Right? I mean, I've heard that he was writing a book and all this kind of stuff. I don't know how true that is because I ain't seen no lawyer talking about no manuscript. But that ain't stopping people from surmising anyway. Uh, anyway, check this out, family. This, this is his wife, allegedly. Got to say allegedly because people will say anything to get you to click their YouTube videos. A lot of YouTubians out there. Uh, how how crazy is that, Bear? We label people mm-hmm. that rely on YouTube uh, for the most part for their information, right? We labeled them years ago, about 10 years ago, as YouTubians. Yeah. Now look at YouTube now with its connections to the intelligence community of censoring mm-hmm. people off. Now look at it. Don't look so crazy no more when we label these people YouTubians. Yeah. Go check this out, family. Everyone pointed out this photo, and they were like, this happened like a couple days after the chef passed away. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, that's what that was? It's like, so funny. His fingers are broken. He's got a black eye. I was like, you think he did it himself? Yeah. How many days oh, after what's your going chef dies do you go golfing? <laughs> like, you can't golf that day. What pulled him down? Two feet. What pulled him down two feet? He's six feet tall. The water's eight feet. And he can't go up two feet. What's going on here in this story? 
and it, notice how it changes now, little dribbles of information that we get. So a female made the 911 call. We didn't know that till today. The truth behind Obama's late chef's wife being silent on his death. When famous people or important folks go through personal things, even those parts of their lives that are private can interest the public. Take the case of Tafari Campbell, who was the chef for former President Barack Obama. He passed away, and this event has caught people's attention. But something interesting is going on. Tafari Campbell's wife hasn't been saying much about his passing. This has made people wonder and ask why she's choosing to keep quiet during this sad time. In places like the White House, where powerful decisions are made, and in the kitchens where delicious meals are prepared, a strange, quiet feeling has appeared. It makes us wonder what's behind the silence of the chef's wife while the whole country is sad. The world of cooking saw Tafari Campbell as more than just a chef. He was like an artist who put history and big dreams onto plates with flavors that were just as complex as his connections. Now that he's suddenly gone, we're faced with a mystery. Why is his wife, who used to be well-known in cooking circles, staying so quiet? The puzzle gets more interesting as we try to figure out why Obama's chef's wife is quiet about his death. The man who passed away by drowning while paddleboarding in a pond near the Obama's Martha's Vineyard home has been recognized as the former chef of the Obama family. Officials stated on Monday afternoon that they had confirmed the discovery of the body of Tafari Campbell, aged 45, in eight feet of water water around 100 feet away from the shores of the Obama's land on Edgartown Great Pond. Around 10 a.m. on Monday, they finally located Campbell's body using sonar scanners that were sent out from a boat. The police confirmed that the Obamas were not at home when this happened. Before this, Campbell worked as the assistant chef in the White House kitchen during Barack Obama's presidency and was chosen to continue as part of his personal team after his term concluded. Upon the tragic loss, Obama stated, Tafari was a beloved part of our family. Along with Sharif, the wife of Tafari Campbell mourned the death of her beloved husband. He is survived by his wife, Sharif Campbell, and their twin sons, Xavier and Saban. Over the weekend, she posted a heartfelt message in honor of her husband. In her tribute, she expressed that the sorrowful loss has left an everlasting impact on her. On early Tuesday, Sharif Campbell wrote a message about her husband, Tafari Campbell, on Instagram. My heart is broken. My life and our family's life is forever changed. The words beneath a cheerful photo of Campbell standing in a kitchen went on to say, please pray for me and our families as I deal with the loss of my husband. Cherise, who owns Sweet Sage, a baking and catering company, furthermore stated that Sweet Sage would not be taking any new orders. Due to the recent tragedy in our family at this time, we're not accepting any inquiries or orders, she said in a separate post. We apologize for any inconvenience. The family asks for your prayers and support during this difficult time. We will let you know when we begin accepting orders again. One might understand the grief of a wife who has recently lost her husband. However, a matter of fact that Sharif did not address was Tafari's swimming capabilities. which have swirled a whirl of conspiracies on social media. Sharif, who has been married to Tafari for 20 years, didn't address any form of suspicion involved in her husband's death. This has made people even more curious to know what's going on behind the curtain. Officials initially reacted to alerts about a potential drowning incident involving a person on a paddleboard at Turkeyland Cove Road on Sunday evening. Nonetheless, another person, whose identity remains unknown, was paddleboarding alongside Campbell. This individual recounted that the father of two appeared to be struggling in the water before ultimately going under for the last time. Yet the person along with him didn't save him. It seemed odd to many that he drowned even though he was an experienced swimmer. The information about the second paddleboarder along with Safari 
man who called 911 has been kept a secret from the world and is being said that it has been an ongoing investigation. Does Tafari Campbell's wife know something about a tragedy that is being called an accident? The silence of Sharice depicts that maybe she knew something about the other paddleboarder who was there with Tafari but still couldn't save him. Tafari's wife didn't mention any statement of her late husband being a proficient swimmer who couldn't drown in eight feet of water. Tafari's Instagram highlights showed his proficient swimming abilities and Sharice just shared her grief to the world. Is she being afraid of the higher authorities for speaking up for the truth? Or is she being silenced because of the realization of the consequences are going to be severe? Rumor holds that both Sharice and Tafari Kempel knew something mysterious about the Obama family, which is why Tafari met his unfateful demise and Sharice has chosen not to speak about it. A video that's been widely shared on Instagram makes claims without evidence, suggesting that Campbell was working on a book about the Obamas. Another video that's going around on the internet implies that Tafari was found with head injuries in shallow waters on the Obama property. But Sharice hasn't confirmed any such thing herself yet. Sharice being closest to Tafari is expected to tell the world what she knows, but her silence over the tragedy other than just grief is sounding strange to many. Moreover, the suspicion is also revolving around the death of the White House chef, Walter Scheib. To the president's right. Uh, there we go. 11 years, <laughs> 94 to 05, and that's seven years of Bill Clinton. Four years of W. Bush. Chef Scheib, well known for serving President Clinton, tragically drowned in New Mexico. Hey, what's up, Bill? How you doing? This has led to a surge of conspiracy theories as people on the internet connect intriguing dots between the stories of these two chefs who worked at the White House. A well-renowned journalist named Don Luker took to his Twitter and stated a series of questions regarding the suspicions which holds surrounding Tafari's death. He stated, it appears that the chef who drowned at the Obama estate was using this paddleboard that belongs to the president Barrick. Why didn't that young man use the strap to secure himself? There's also a video that verified he was an above beginner swimmer. It has been confirmed that Tafari Campbell was depressed while working for the Obamas and that Michelle made his life miserable. Things can only come to light if Sharice Campbell decides to speak up for what she knew. It almost seems like there is a cover story going on behind this scenario, and the truth is still locked away from the world. The internet is buzzing with various conspiracies, and people have raised eyebrows of speculation behind Sharice Campbell's silence. A user wrote, the wife should demand to do an autopsy and real investigation unless she is afraid of the Obamas. Another user raised a question on Twitter. Barack and Michelle Obama's chef reportedly drowned behind their home. The news says he can't swim. This is him in the Bahamas in the ocean when he can't swim. Hashlafari Campbell, that's it for today's video, guys. Bye. Now, I'm going to say take that with a yourself. Okay. Uh, I'll send this to you, Ben. I don't think I sent any of this stuff okay. to you. Okay. Uh, I know one of the videos, uh, Michelle Obama's arm was all abused up. Maybe, you know, it was uh, she caught him and, and Barack in the act, or Barack caught him and her, or he in the act, or something might have went down. Barack got his fingers all covered up. Looked like she had bruises on her arms. And remember, uh, he had a black eye. That's the first thing that the white yeah. boys said at the beginning of this video. It's like they yeah. listened to our program. Everything mm-hmm. we said, they said. Mm-hmm. Word for word, the same order. Yeah. You yeah. never know who listened. Oh, yeah. Okay. But 
it's good that somebody focused on the wife because you would think that she didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's the first person they should be sticking microphones in her face because that's what the media does. Right. I find it quite interesting. They don't seem to be able to find her. Hmm. Big girl says she uh, uh, see a baby on the side of a road, side of the road, and <laughs> she get out of her car and leave her phone and and uh, supposedly goes after the baby and gets kidnapped and stripped naked, but nobody touched her and they fed her and she escaped and. <laughs> Unbelievable. All kind of media. But somehow, the media can't find this. It's like ISIS, these super bad terrorists uh, in the so-called Middle East, can't find Israel. Mm-hmm. Same kind of flavor to me. I don't know. I ain't no cook. All right? But I know white supremacy and blackface when I see it, family. And I know what happened to Chef Boy ID uh, is not going to go away quietly. Not at all. These ain't the times when the lies become uh, totally covered up. Everything is on fast forward. So we're going to find. Uh, some interesting information will probably come out here in the not-too-distant future. As a matter of fact, Bev, let me do this before I forget. Mm-hmm. This Sunday, this Sunday, at 357 East 79th, that's 357 East 79th here in Chicago, that's uh, August the 27th, Sunday, from 2 to 5 p.m., Solomon's Mind, we're going to take a look at what we call the UN-IGGA. UN what? I-G-G-A. UN slash nigga. Or that. I-G-G-A. Mm-hmm. Did you see one of the um, presidents or prime minister, one of the Africans, when he was at the UN, I saw that the other day, and uh, he was telling them all, oh, you should, I mean, just looking at the expressions on um, France and all of them, he said, we're not coming here begging and yeah, and he, I mean, he was, he had a, a whole different tone. It's going to take a unified effort on the part of African countries. The problem is the mm-hmm. intelligence community, okay, through mm-hmm. ECOWAS, ECOWAS is mm-hmm. going to pit Africans against Africans. That's really a proxy for United States against Russia and China. Because many of the African countries are joining the BRICS and they're moving away from the dollar. Yeah, and that's what he was talking about too. 
yeah, if it ain't the dollar, it's the French currency or the German currency, which I think is the mark, or the British currency. That would be the uh, the euro. So this is very, very, very important because as Africa goes, so goes the rest of the world. Problem is, when you look at the West, you're talking about all the colonial powers. And I remember this article uh, called Recolonizing Africa and Not a Moment Too Soon. This is in the 1990s. I forget author of the article. But you can put that title in there and it should come up. And they were talking in an article, I believe it was from Foreign Affairs, the uh, publication of the Council on Foreign Relations. Okay? And they were saying in the future, Africans will be screaming to be recolonized. Now, I find that interesting in light of the current political paradigm where the people on the left who are openly pushing Marxism, what they're really saying is they want to recolonize black people in this country. That's the reinstitution of slavery by another methodology, Marxism. But I've seen nowhere where Marxism can be remotely related to freedom. Nowhere. Okay? So that's why, Bill, we got to deal with the UN, and I thought you would kind of catch that, IGGA. I see. So we're going to be looking. We're going to be looking at the United Nations, right? Funny you mentioned the United Nations, right? The Africans speaking in front of the United Nations. Uh, did you happen to um, save that or something there? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for now. That's what, okay, that's good. What I'm, I'm looking for. Yeah, mm-hmm. When you get the opportunity. Okay. So it's basically the UN, I-G-G-A, is you nigger. And I want people of my hue uh, specifically, but not exclusively anymore, that we on the chopping block. See, too many Africans didn't take that venom. Bill Gates is mad because remember, at the very outset, who did they say they was going to give the first venom to, Bill? Uh, was it us? Africans. 
Okay. That's what Bill Gates said shortly after the so-called venom was created. We're going to make sure that the people in Africa get it first. Him and his wife, they weren't even separated at that time. And we all said, wow, how altruistic is Bill Gates towards black people when somehow he can't find none to hire down there in Silicon Valley? So people need to be really aware of so-called institutions like the UN, okay? Because you're basically talking about the intelligence community's agenda. State Department, okay, the UN ambassador is nothing more than the mouthpiece for the State Department. The State Department is the CIA, the corporate police. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing, family. (coughs) Let me do one more piece for you here to provide you some context for when I talk about the CIA in Africa. Because I'm going to reiterate that what you see going on there is in large part what you see going on here. You got some fake black organizations all over the damn place, like Black Lives Matter. There was all this crazy stuff going on with black people being just killing each other like nobody's business all around the country, somehow not a peep for people who are supposed to care about black lives. Not a damn peep. Now watch now. What's this, uh, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. (coughs) By next March and next April, Black Lives Matter is going to resurrect itself from the dead. Why? Because they are a political operation. And they'll be needed to go out here and propagandize particularly black youth. Because that's what they get paid to do. Okay? So let me add a little bit more context. I know it's kind of difficult. You got to really listen to some of these uh, commentators because they're not English speaking for the most part. All right? So let's go take a look at the CIA's tenure in Africa. Babe, did I send you the last one? I didn't send you the last one, did I? Well, I'll make sure I send you these next two. Okay? All right. The CIA just can't keep its hands off Africa. 
And then welcome to TFI Global Africa, TFI Global's channel specially dedicated to the cradle of humanity. I'm your host, Michael. Let's begin with the video report. The West, particularly the U.S., has had a long-standing obsession with Africa and its internal affairs, sometimes in the name of restoring democracy or human rights violations, and at other times to limit the growth of communism. It has targeted African countries and carried out various covert and overt operations worldwide, including in Africa. The CIA has played a significant role in such operations. Many of the instances of the CIA's involvement in African affairs occurred during the Cold War when the US and the Soviet Union battled for influence across the continent. Patrice Lumumba, who was the first prime minister of the newly independent Congo in 1960, was overthrown and assassinated in January 1961, just a few months after taking office. While there is no doubt that the CIA wanted him dead, direct U.S. involvement in his killing remains unclear. In 2002, Belgium, the former colonial power, admitted responsibility for its part in the killing. The U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, concerned about communism, feared Congo would also follow Cuba's path. A source quoted in the book Death in the Congo about the assassination claimed that President Eisenhower gave an order for the assassination of Lumumba. Another book, The Congo Cables from Eisenhower to Kennedy, documented how a top CIA scientist came to Congo equipped with a kit containing an exotic poison meant for Patrice Lumumba, the pro-Soviet Prime Minister of Congo, who had a good chance of returning to power. The scientist indicated that the order had come from the highest authority, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. The poison was to be somehow slipped into Lumumba's food, or perhaps into his toothpaste. Kwame Nkrumah, Ghana's first president, was also overthrown in a military coup in 1966, which was suspected to be instigated by the CIA of the United States. According to John Stockwell, a former CIA intelligence officer, in his book In Search of Enemies, wrote, there is no official sanction for the coup in CIA documents. However, the Accra station was encouraged by the CIA headquarters to maintain contact with dissidents and was given a generous budget. The station also maintained intimate contact with the plotters as a coup was hatched. Again, although Hissen Habre successfully overthrew President Oday in 1982 in Chad, he had failed in his previous attempts to take power by force in 1980. As a result of this failed attempt, President Oday sought help from Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi, whose soldiers successfully beat back Habre's challenge and also forced him into exile. However, as Gaddafi was seen as a supporter of anti-US activities, an alliance between Libya and Chad was never in the best interests of the U.S. According to Michael Bronner's article in Foreign Policy magazine, the CIA director and the Secretary of State collapsed around the idea of launching a covert war in partnership with Habre. It is alleged that the U.S. backed Habre's overthrow of the president in 1982 and then also supported him throughout his brutal rule. It is worth mentioning that even Gaddafi's regime was overthrown by NATO. And many scholars argue that NATO overstepped the UN authorization in Libya by attempting to overthrow the Gaddafi regime, making it an illegal use of force. After ravaging Ethiopia for two years, the Tigray crisis recently came to an end when the warring sides agreed to sign a peace treaty. The Tigray crisis was also instigated by the US and the TPLF was overtly and covertly supported by the United States as evidenced by several incidents. For instance, during the peace negotiations that began on 25th October 2022, in South Africa, the TPLF delegation arrived on a U.S. military plane, accompanied by Mike Hammer, the U.S. Special Envoy to the Horn of Africa. Moreover, Eritrea's President Isias Afwerki recently accused 
the U.S. of supporting Tigrayan rebels during the recent civil war in northern Ethiopia. He also claimed that the USA rushed the peace deal between Ethiopia and the Tigray People's Liberation Front to prevent the rebels from losing on the battlefield. There are also speculations that Boko Haram could also be a covered operation of the CIA to control Africa's biggest economy, which is Nigeria. In May 2014, African Renaissance News published an in-depth report on Boko Haram to find out whether Boko Haram can be another CIA operation to control Nigeria. In the report, it stated that the greatest prize for AFRICOM and its goal to plant Pax Americana in Africa would be when it succeeds in the most strategic African country, that is Nigeria. Moreover, so it will not be successful. AFRICOM cannot claim success until they control Nigeria in total. In total. Okay? And we said uh, on the last program that that's why you see so many Nigerians being allowed to come to this country. It's not to make value judgments from my vantage point about Nigerians, but it's to point out the reality that they're basically dictating U.S. policy. And they're not alone. They're just at the top of the heap. Okay, they're more compliant. Let's keep going. An investigation into Boko Haram by the Green-White Coalition revealed that the Boko Haram campaign is a covered operation organized by the American Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. So the CIA created Boko Haram, just like Israel created the PLO. and coordinated by the American Embassy in Nigeria. The U.S. has resorted to various tactics from time to time to maintain its presence in Africa. Whenever American interests have been challenged in Africa, it has conducted operations to install a favorable puppet regime. These are only a few examples of how the U.S. has meddled in African affairs. However, sometimes it becomes difficult to prove direct U.S. backing in carrying out such operations. In the present scenario with Russia's rise in the African continent, the U.S. is facing challenges in maintaining its hegemony. It will be interesting to see if Africa will be able to secure greater peace for itself as the U.S. meddling in the continent gradually decreases. It will not decrease. It will increase. And I'm going to tell you right now, Chad is next. If you look at where the coups are taking place, they're taking place from east to west part of Africa, that entire area, okay, extremely mineral rich, extremely, that's the area that's being destabilized. And in uh, the case of countries like the Congo, they literally can't they cannot afford to have these countries stable because when your countries are stable, you will be able to assess the value of these mineral resources because now you, you're in a position where you can industrialize. So they don't want Africa industrializing, family. 
that's one of the major reasons that Obama was in office. He went to Africa early on and told them that y'all going to have to put a crimp in your lifestyle. Don't even think about uh, millions of cars and uh, air-conditioned homes and those kinds of things. No, that's against the environmental movement, so-called global warming. So we have to manage your non-growth. Okay? Don't even think about uh, growing your own food. We'll take care of all that. We got other countries like the Asian sector that will be, I'm talking Vietnam, uh, Korea, uh, they were responsible for the sustenance in Africa with, you know, rice and and things like that being one of the prime staples, okay, of a large number of people on this planet. So they don't want Africa modernizing itself. They therefore make sure that they maintain control of the African currency. If I'm not mistaken, the African Central Bank, the African version of the Federal Reserve is in Nigeria. I think it's in, uh, I don't want to say, because I don't want to put out that kind of information and not be at least 75% correct. But yeah, Nigeria has been chosen as the head Negro in charge. That's real talk, whether the people know it or not. That just happens to be the facts. And they literally are telling us this. So who leads the charge to want to overthrow the so-called coup in Niger? None other than Nigeria. China and Russia are making major inroads in Africa. And they're not doing it by force of arms. They're doing it through trade negotiations. I'm going to, again, go out on another limb here and say, I expect to see the Wagner Group, who are already in Africa and have been there, contracting, all right, Uh, training African military. And they just so happen to be, and for those of you who don't know, the Wagner Group is the Russian private military army that basically has been uh, waxing everybody that it comes in contact with. Okay? Well, the Wagner Group just happens to be close to Mali. 
Now, you might recall, family, we pointed out years ago when Obama was in office that he was bombing Mali and the media wasn't talking about it. And, of course, the pretext was we trying to kill some Boko Haram and some ISIS and some Al-Qaeda. Okay? That's the cover story. They running all three of them. CIA created every bit of it. So the Wagner Group is close to both Mali and Burkina Faso. Both former recipients of coups. And for me, Mali is even more relevant to me because They have a long history and document connection to Kemet. These were some of the people that were forced out of Kemet in the Exodus. And they chose to leave and maintain their spiritual belief system that exists all the way up to this day. And, of course, white supremacy in blackface chooses to bomb Mali. As you might expect, I'm just gnawing my teeth down to the nub, knowing what this dude is doing, and the media is not saying a word about it or to any degree, because you got to put Africa back under colonial control. Well, ain't that the same thing they're trying to do here? Nigeria is ECOWAS family. And the head of Nigeria went to Niger. And not only did the military refused to meet him, but they told him to take his ass back home. Now, I'm simplifying this thing because you got a lot of different tribal connections to a lot of, of this stuff that's going on in Africa. Okay? So what did Nigeria do? Well, interestingly enough, they control the electricity, the power that goes to Niger. So they cut off the power. So then NATO uh, and France begin to talk about they would uh, would not stand by and allow for a so-called democratically elected government. This sounds familiar to be overthrown. So what? Yes. And Bev, the same thing is going on down in Latin America now, too, running the same program to recolonize all of these countries again. But Russia said they sent a stark warning to NATO. And they told NATO that they were not going to stand by 
and allow for the former colonizers to destroy Niger. Why? Because Russia already has a contract, economic contract with Niger. Is the battleground again when we start talking about World War Three, the first two world wars were all about controlling the resources in Africa. All right, so you can see now, and you know China has uh, contractual interests in these African countries. I believe, and I never thought, that Ukraine would be the spot at which World War III breaks out because they're not mineral-rich enough, okay? Whoever controls Africa will control the world. That's why it's so important that, as we said from the very beginning, Bear, what black people ought to be doing, I know black people can't see it. They see these Africans here and these arrogant Africans, hate African Americans, et cetera, et cetera. I know all that. Okay? But Africa is so important. We said the first thing Africans need to do, okay, and this is, when I say Africans, I'm talking about all throughout the Caribbean as well, Haiti in particular. There's another place where uh, they're talking about invading. They want to send Canadian troops along with U.S. troops to Haiti. Again, same economic situation. And you can take that throughout the Caribbean. Okay? So it doesn't matter if it's part of the British Commonwealth. Hell, the British Commonwealth is America Commonwealth. It's the same people. Free people don't ask for their freedom. You fight for it. That's how you get it. That's how free people uh, remain free. You don't ask there no was a, your freedom. Go ahead, Ben. There was a, a brother that was talking the other day, and um, he is investing in uh, Africa. I forgot what part he said it was. But he's mm-hmm. saying that the, they, the farmers over there, they're, they're not getting any seeds. And so he uh, is taking seeds over there. He built him a house over there. He was talking about the difference with the money and stuff. And they looking for, uh, you know, America trying to block them, but they looking for us to come over and invest over there. This is the time to do it. And he said he's making money. Bad. Africans need a whole lot of things, man. A whole lot of things. Yeah, yeah. The question, the question then becomes, where mm-hmm. do black intelligentsia, who are appointing you to support this brain dead mass murdering <laughs> psychopath? Okay, 
because they're all over that. But you tell me, where's the intelligentsia? Where's the institutional leverage that will allow for these things to grow uh, with little or no limit in terms of the growth? I'll tell you where they at. Where? They are uh, in white supremacy with black face. I wish I could argue. Again, Bev, you're absolutely correct. But the only way we really recognize these things is we have discussions about them. Right. And there's very little discussion about them because the Internet uh, puts up their own template in terms of the bickering back and forth with black nationalism and pan-Africanism and and all this insanity with these labels, okay? Uh, you can't tell me that uh, a country that is a nation should not describe itself as a nation. That's nationalism. Period. All the rest of it is philosophy, okay? It could be pan-Africanism, okay, whatever that means today. Because, you know, they didn't change the definition of things to where I don't tune into these fake uh, black talk shows because they buy into these definitions of things that are totally in error. Well, how do I know that? Because I've been on it for a long time. That's how I know. Okay. And I know when somebody is doing monkey wrenching stuff. You know, like what I care if Africans get some reparations. I mean, what I care. I don't care. If you get some, why shouldn't they get some? Uh, you think the Berlin Conference was about help, helping Africa develop? No. Africans were colonized there, and they're colonized here. They call it slavery. That's colonization. Same thing. People have built their entire economies on the exploitation of African resources. Europe couldn't exist. America, much of the industrial capital in America was shut, would have to shut down, even though they had moved it to China. And China is basically picking up the mantle. But they ain't going to Africa, uh, shooting up the place to take control of it. <laughs> Africa have to be smart enough <clears throat> And that's where uh, perhaps uh, well-educated black people in this country, let's just say well-informed black people in this country, could probably play a major role because I don't know to what extent uh, 
Africans are uh, aware in the aggregate, in the main, I can't make that assertion. They, they may know more than I do, or other people in this country know. Okay, I don't know that. I'm not saying they are or they aren't. What I'm saying is a collective effort on the part of an institutionalized African response throughout the diaspora that should be relevant to African people no matter where we are. Because the same thing that's affecting Haiti is affecting Niger. And the same thing that's affecting Niger is affecting Chicago and Philadelphia and New York. It's the same thing. There's no break in their actions. And you really get to see it, family, when you really start taking a look at what's going on. Right? So that's why I get baffled when I see organizations like Black Lives Matter that come out of nowhere and all of a sudden, in a matter of a few days, they're a national organization, which means that they qualify for uh, some of that Democratic Party money. Okay? Obama said all you need to be is an African organization. And one of the first fake Negro organizations to do that was the National Action Network. (laughs) Totally fake. But next thing you know, he basically got paperwork in all 50 states so he can be eligible for some government cheese. Because they knew the average uh, small African effort or organization were not going to be national. So you couldn't get the money. This is under Obama. So all of a sudden, Al Charlatan and NAN becomes a national organization. And it ain't many of them, family. Y'all already know what the other ones are. The same old Negroes. And that's why you look today, and they're all flying the rainbow. Because that's how they get paid. Very sinister. Very sinister. But when we look at this thing, family, we saw patterns of behavior, to be quite honest, they weren't even hiding it. Check this out. Check this out, family. Let me get a little water here. I think this is the best place to start. Violence has spiked in Africa since the military founded AFRICOM. 
violence has spiked in Africa, meaning the violence started to go up. As soon as Obama came in there with Africa, Pentagon study finds. So this is them. This is the U.S. government saying, whoa, what have we done? Because since we've been here to stabilize Africa, Africa is more destabilized. We don't know what's causing it, but we know it's happening. They got numbers. Here's what they say. Oh, by the way, this is from The Intercept that I don't recommend, by the way. Okay, The Intercept. Here's what they say. Since U.S. Africa Africa Command began operations in 2008. Wait a minute, Bev. Who became the president in 2008? Obama. Just checking. Just checking. Since U.S. Africa Command began operations in 2008, the number of U.S. military personnel on the African continent has jumped 170% from 2,600 to 7,000. And by the way, family, when you look at or do a Google search on U.S. military bases in Africa, it's going to jump jump out at you like the booger man. Many of the military bases are in the central part of Africa, the exact same areas where all the stuff is going on. Drone bases, Fort Apache, you know what I'm saying? Same game. They did the same thing to the indigenous people. Well, let's just call them the Indians. In this country, start putting these little things they call forts all over the place. Next thing you know, very few Indians left. They say the number of military missions, activities, programs, and exercises has written, uh, risen 1,900% from 172 to 3,500. Drone strikes have soared, and the number of commandos deployed has increased exponentially, along with the size and scope of AFRICOM's constellation of bases. The U.S. military has recently conducted 36 named operations and activities in Africa more than any other region of the world, including the greater Middle East, which ain't nothing but North Africa, but they don't want you to have it, so they renamed it Middle East. Ain't nothing East about it. Okay? Uh, That means that Libya is in the Middle East. What? Egypt, Kemet is in the Middle East. No, it ain't. There is no middle scattered across Africa regularly advise, train, and partner with local forces, gather intelligence, conduct surveillance, and carry out airstrikes 
and ground raids focused on, quote, countering violent extremists on the African continent, unquote. Now, as we pointed out last week, you've got the heads of uh, several African countries that have come out point blank and said these so-called terrorist organizations are creations of America and Israel from the last program. Okay? They say, AFRICOM, quote, disrupts and neutralizes transnational threats, unquote, in order to, quote, promote regional security, stability, and prosperity, unquote, according to its mission statement. But since AFRICOM began, key indicators of security and stability in Africa have plummeted, according to the department's Africa Center for Strategic Studies, a Pentagon research institution. Quote, overall, militant Islamic group activity in Africa has doubled since 2012. Doubled. Unquote. They say, There are now roughly 24 active militant Islamist groups operating on the continent, up from just five in 2010. Okay? And and then you wonder, family, uh, how military weapons supposedly allocated to Ukraine all of a sudden end up in Africa. And you ask yourself, is that the reason why they don't want anybody looking at where the money is going when they, uh, when your Congress people sent all that money to Ukraine to, to do whatever the hell it is they do with it? Because they will not allow for anybody, anybody, any of your Congress people, to be uh, or conduct oversight on how the money is spent. Okay? So now, they're going to say, today, 13 African countries face attacks from these groups. A 160% increase over that same time span. In fact, the number of violent events across the continent has jumped 960 percent from 288 in 2009 to 3050 in 2018 while a variety of factors have likely contributed to the rise in violence some experts say that the overlap between the command's existence and growing unrest is not a coincidence that again. While a variety of factors have likely contributed to the rise in violence, some experts say that the overlap between the command, that's Africa, the Africa command, existence, and growing unrest is not a coincidence. Quote, the sharp increase in terrorist incidents in Africa underscores the fact 
that the Pentagon's overly militarized approach to the problem has been a dismal failure, unquote, said William Hartung, the director of the Arms and Security Project at the Center for International Policy, quote, anything attempting to eradicate terrorism by force may be exacerbating the problem, provoking a terrorist backlash and serving as a recruiting tool for extremist groups, unquote. No. They have been financing so-called extremist groups because none of these groups even existed until they got financed by the intelligence community, particularly the CIA. Then they say something very interesting. They say, take Somalia, for example. Over the last decade, AFRICOM has conducted hundreds of airstrikes and commando missions there and claims an enemy body count of approximately 800 terrorists, primarily members of the Shabaab, a militant group. And, of course, as we pointed out last week, again, uh, several African heads of state have pointed out that these groups like Shabaab are CIA front groups. but it gives them the opportunity to keep Africa destabilized, therefore dependent on them. They say the number of U.S. air attacks has has skyrocketed of late, jumping from 14 under Obama in 2016 to 47 under the Trump administration last year. Yet, the Pentagon's own analysis found that violent episodes involving the Shabaab represent roughly 50% of all militant Islamic group activity in Africa and that this rate has remained consistent over the past decade. Yes, yeah. we said there should be one voice calling for Orange Man, since he claims sovereignty is the name of his game, to respect the sovereignty of African countries, okay, by getting your military, your paid killers, out of Africa from day one. That's what we said. Not no damn reparations. No, because whatever they give, they can take away. Free people they go on to say, in October 2017, members of the Islamic State in the Greater Sahara. Now I know some of y'all remember uh, some of these names again. You haven't heard them in a minute, okay? Uh. They got one called the Islamic State in the Maghreb, right? Uh, all fake phony, all come out of nowhere, all financed by the intelligence community, okay? They say October 2017, uh, members of the ISGS, the Islamic State in the Greater Sahara, ambushed American troops near the border of the Sahelian States of Mali and Niger 
killing four U.S. soldiers and wounding two others. Just after the attack, AFRICON claimed the troops were providing, quote, advice and assistance, unquote, to local partners. Local partners. But it was later revealed that American commandos operating alongside a Nigerian force had hoped to link up with another contingent of U.S. special operators trying to kill or capture Islamic State leader Dundun Shafud. Okay? They say, despite these and several other long-running U.S. military efforts in the region, militant groups in the Sahil, that's that area uh that we're talking about here from central west to western africa uh, to uh, eastern and west from coast to coast eastern and west uh, in the whole continent of africa okay okay they say despite these and several of the long-running u.s military efforts in the region militant groups in the sahil have grown more active and their attacks more frequent according to the african center in fact Violent episodes linked to groups associated with Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, or AQIM, ISGS, okay, uh, increased from 192 in 2017 to 464 last year. At the same time, fatalities linked to these groups more than doubled from 529 to 1,112. This is especially significant in light of a 2,000 report prepared under the auspices of the U.S. Army War College's Strategic Studies Institute, which examined the African security environment. While noting the existence of, quote, internal separatist or rebel movements, unquote, in weak states as well as militias and warlord armies, it made no mention of Islamic extremism or major transnational terror threats. Now, the African Center counts 24 active militant Islamic groups on the continent, while other officials Official tallies have in recent years put the figure at nearly 50 terrorist organizations and illicit groups of all types. Neither the Pentagon nor AFRICOM responded to the Intercept's questions about the African Center's analysis, the command's effectiveness, and any role it may have played in the rise, rising violence on the continent. Africa, uh, Africa comes to Africa, and Africa becomes far more bloody. Okay, far more bloody. And somehow, they can't figure out why. What's causing it? Causing all of the disruptive behavior 
in black communities all around this country. What's causing it? Let's go here, family, because, see, you know what's causing it. What's causing it is white supremacy and blackface. The U.S. military is training third world coup leaders again, again, again. Okay. This is from the Cato Institute or Cato.org. U.S. military is training third world coup leaders again. They never stop. Family, remember, you're in the middle of a color revolution right here. they just taking a rest because they got the court in place. All right? But they're recruiting, and they specifically are recruiting from the prison, the prison uh, uh, community. All right? And you'll be able to see it. All right? Because when they start raising hell next year, because they're going to see the handwriting on the wall. <clears throat> You will notice that a lot of people getting arrested are probably going to be people who just been released from jail for X number of offenses. Okay, let's go to this article, family. It says Americans should be experiencing an uneasy sense of deja vu. In the last two years, U.S. trained officers have overthrown West African governments at least four times in two years. Now, we ain't talking about the ones that they killed because they didn't want to give their people the venom. That's another group. See, this is why, and I have to be honest, this is why I hated America for most most of my life because I'm not looking at the New York Times or, or where Clinton is allowed to bomb uh, African countries because he don't want nobody to find out that he got some sperm on Monica Lewinsky's dress. So he just bomb Africa. Why not? They say there are indications that other graduates have undermined civilian governments in other portions of the continent. But U.S. military officials have been less than informative. U.S. Africa Command, AFRICOM, can't explain why there has been a surge in coups. Indeed, AFRICOM insists that it doesn't even know how often they've happened. That position reflects convenient ignorance at best. Major General Andrew Rowling, the commander of U.S. Army Southern European Task Force, Africa, insists Pentagon's objective is to, quote, showcase a way, the American way, that we train and build leaders not only in their tactical tasks, 
but in the ethos of the United States Army, unquote. But as analyst Nick Terse, a fellow at the Nation Institute, observes, those values have been lacking in Africa, especially in West Africa, quote, where U.S. trained officers have attempted at least nine coups and succeeded in at least eight across five West African countries, including Burkina Faso, three times, Guinea, Mali, three times, Mauritania, and Gambia. The most recent coups by U.S. trainees have occurred in Burkina Faso in 2022, Guinea in 2021, and twice in Mali in 2020 and 2021. The latest cases of officers who had received U.S. military training going, going on to stage an epidemic of coups in Africa is reminiscent of the long, odious history of the School of the Americas. The U.S. Army established that training center in 1946 at Fort Benning, Georgia. The curriculum emphasized the most up-to-date military tactics, especially in counterinsurgency warfare. But that was not the sole mission of the school. In addition to core military training, the goal supposedly was to educate officers from allied countries in Latin America about the importance of democratic values and civilian control of the military. During the next 54 years, the School of the Americas trained more than 63,000 soldiers from 21 countries, where the U.S. officials were sincere about promoting a commitment to democracy or whether that stated objective was merely cynical propaganda. In any case, the results were appallingly bad. A December 2020 ABC News story by investigative reporter Barbara Starr noted that, quote, the list of graduates from the School of the Americas is a who's who of Latin American despots. Students have included Manuel Noriega and Omar Carrillo of Panama, Leopoldo Galtieri of Argentina, and Hugo Suarez of Bolivia. In addition to the School of the Americas being an incubator for future coup leaders, graduates amassed a horrid record on human rights. Critics derided the institution as a school for dictators, torturers, and assassins. The track record seemed to support that, according to Starr, quote, graduates cut a swath through El Salvador during its civil war, being involved in the 1980 assassination of Archbishop Oscar Romero, 
the El Mazote Massacre, in which 900 peasants were killed. Peasants? What the hell is a peasant? No. The El Mazote Massacre, in which 900 citizens, people, El Salvadorians, were killed and the 1989 murders of six Jesuit priests. Other graduates engaged in torture and murder of people who dared oppose the dictatorships in Chile and Argentina during the 70s and 80s. If you go through any human rights report about any country in Latin America, then pretty much anyone who is named as an, as an assassin, a dictator, or torture is likely to have passed through the school of the Americas. They say faced with mounting pressure from Human Rights Watch, Human Rights Watch has been totally compromised, family. It's now on the side of the world government forces who are the progenitors, okay? of torture and mass murder. I don't care if it's with a pistol or a syringe. Okay? So they say because of that pressure from Human Rights Watch and other human rights organizations, as well as surging criticism in the Western press, U.S. military leaders responded as they usually do, by making a largely cosmetic change. In December 2000, the Pentagon announced the closing of the School of the Americas. The following month, a new facility opened at Fort Benning, the Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation. That training center was under the control of the Defense Department rather than the Army. One substantive change was that only military personnel from democratic countries could attend. Previously, officers from even the most brutal and corrupt dictatorships were welcome. However, that restriction was not truly definitive. Military forces in some nominally democratic countries in Latin America have continued to engage in serious human rights violations. The conduct of security forces in Colombia is especially troubling. But family, we cannot forget the so-called drug cartels that you now know, if you've been paying anything that looks like attention, are the same cartels that are being contracted to facilitate the flow of illegal immigration at the border. And if they can get some of that uh, 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 dope across the border at the same time, that's like doubling your pleasure. And that's what okay. they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. With the blessing of the banks in this country that have been teetering on collapse Every now and then I see a story 
with three or four more banks that they say are very shaky, almost on a weekly basis, okay, since I expected the banking system to collapse back in June. It didn't do it. But they drip, drip, dripping them out every week. If you're paying attention to the financial pages of five, six, seven more banks, 10, 12 more banks, let's keep going. They say the overall record of Latin American military personnel trained at Fort Benning has been noticeably improved over the past two decades. But the news coming out of Africa suggests that the problem may simply have changed to a different arena. So they moved the death squads out of Latin America and they moved them to Africa. And I don't think they really moved them. All right? I just think they gave them different orders. They say, leaders at AFRICOM contend that they do not bother to track the activities of foreign military officers once they've completed their training at U.S. institutions. If true, that is a very odd practice indeed. However, the data that Nick Terse have have gathered suggest that the coups and other undemocratic practices are numerous and growing. There's one other troubling similarity between developments in Latin America during the Cold War and the current developments in Africa. In the former case, U.S. military leaders were so, so concerned about the communist threat that they were willing to look the other way as their hemispheric partners unseated democratic government and committed human rights abuses. Fear regarding the strength of Islamic extremism in Africa now appears to have reached the point that AFRICOM leaders to do the same. A willingness to work with graduates of the School of the Americas who orchestrated coups and committed human rights abuses in Latin America disgraced the U.S. military. The apparent indifference of the U.S. military hierarchy to similar behavior by African alumni of U.S. training programs creates the prospect of a similar disgrace. Meaning, they're going to get caught. Okay? Uh, And be shown to not only be uh, in collusion, so-called terrorists, but to in fact be financing them, arming them, and giving them uh, military uh, assistance in fighting against the real people who will rise up to fight against them. That's the playbook. Everywhere you look, and again, I have to stress that exact same thing is going on now, right in this country. Same thing. And you're beginning to see it everywhere. Take media account, even your president, the court, got two or three different aliases where he's doing his dirty deals, okay? You got all these fake accounts 
and they're using fake accounts to make people think that these are real people that they're talking to. Again, we've been saying this, man, for over a decade now. You may think you got a million of so-called followers. And my whole thing is prove it. Because, you see, people that was working for them, they'll give them 10 million followers. How are you going to check? U.S. training and military coups. U.S. training and military coups. How much time we got left to spare? Uh, <clears throat> let me go back to the page. Let's see. 38 minutes. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to get through with this last article here, and then we'll pick up tomorrow. We'll believe all that's perfect. <clears throat> U.S. training and military coups. This is from waronderocks.com. Here's what they say. Favoring the military over alternative tools of U.S. foreign policy remains one of the few consistencies within the current administration. Internal documents have proposed folding USAID, that's the Agency for International Development, of course, a CIA front group. Now they're talking about folding USAID into the State Department, because what do we tell you the State Department really is? It's the CIA. And they got these little things, these little forts that they call embassies all over the world. Totally housed by CIA slash intelligence operatives. And I'm not saying that the other countries don't do it too. But nobody does it like this country. And nobody, nobody on the planet got military bases all over the world. Nobody like this country. Nobody. Okay? So they said they're going to fold USAID into the State Department and zeroing out development assistance programs that do not advance specific U.S. political or strategic objectives. With few civilian appointees in either the Departments of Defense or State, and unprecedented levels of authorization, the uniform form services enjoy tremendous operational discretion with few civilian counterbalances either inside or outside the Pentagon. The trend of shifting foreign policy funds towards programs with an explicit security focus long predates the Trump administration. A third of all U.S. foreign aid funds, $17 billion, goes towards military aid and security assistance 
making it on its own the fourth largest foreign aid budget in the world. Moreover, management of this security assistance money has migrated away from the State Department to the Pentagon. A recent Open Society report shows that whereas in 2011, the Defense Department directed only 17% of all security assistance, by 2015, the Defense Department's share had increased to 57%, and the State Department had dropped to 42%. Officials wearing Digicam rather than pinstripes, are delivering an increasing percentage of U.S. assistance. That they're talking about the military. Okay? In other words, they're moving away from uh, negotiating problems and beginning to bomb and kill the problem as they see it. Why? Because they have schedules. That's why. And y'all all know about them. Agenda 21, they got 2030 this and 2025 that, and they have time frames for these things to be taken care of. Okay? They say, so where they can't, well, they feel they may have a larger problem trying to negotiate, they'll just bring in their henchmen i.e. Islamic terrorists, i.e. what do they call them south of the border? Um, Drug cartels. Can't be no drug cartels without the banks. Can't be no uh, uh, slavery without the banks. Somebody got to keep the books. Okay, the banks are the largest untalked about problems. Okay, um, France maintained its control over Niger. Not only does it control their banking, it controls the printing of their currency along with other African countries that were under the Francophone dominance under French colonialism. Same with Britain. Same with Germany. Let's just call it same with all of the Western uh, alliance partners. They say, while the broad potential problems with this uh, trend have been well explored, in this article, we focus on a concrete implication by looking at an important component of U.S. assistance, the training of other states' militaries and security personnel, known as Foreign Military Training, or FMT. As in the case of Egypt, this training can empower its uniform recipients to participate more in their home country's internal politics up to and including coups. 
So now just think about the family. You got a military uh, that overthrows what they call a democratic, e- democratically elected government. But the military people are basically doing the bidding of the Western powers to give the illusion that there's a coup when there really is no coup. It's just a destabilization and basically tightening the knot of their system of control because they train the military to do just what they're doing. And many of these militaries are proud of it. Okay? Now, they go on to say, according to the U.S. government team, approximately 76,400 students from 154 countries participated in U.S. foreign military training, costing 876 and a half million dollars. Colleagues have recently argued that this sort of security assistance rarely achieved its stated goal of contributing to U.S. foreign policy objectives through helping allies and partners improve their defense capability and enhance their ability to Participate in missions alongside U.S. forces. Training is doing exactly what it's always done. It's providing another tier of control in the event that some uh, African leader decides that it wants to give its company, its country, uh, freedom from the dominance of Western imperialism. Okay? Just think ECOWAS family. Now, they say, blah, 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 blah. Colleagues have recently argued that this sort of security assistance rarely achieves the stated goals of contributing to U.S. foreign policy objectives through helping allies and partners improve their defense capabilities and enhance their ability to participate in missions alongside U.S. forces. In contrast, we argue that in some cases, security assistance does have a profound effect, albeit in ways unintended by the donor. By strengthening the military and counterbalancing civilian institutions, U.S. foreign military training can lead to both more military-backed coup attempts as well as a higher likelihood of a coup success. Now, if you didn't know any better, family, you would say, well, damn, that might work out in the U.S. interest if they can control the military in these countries. You had a military coup in this country in 2020. And that's what you see playing out right now. Where these people, if they are in fact human, have decided that they're going to criminalize anything 
that's against them in anybody such that they've turned what they call law upside down where Sister Bear's family, if you need a lawyer and the government don't like you, the government can now threaten your lawyer to jail them if they basically work on your behalf. In other words, the most sacred component of a relationship between a lawyer and his client is that the lawyer never has to tell the government anything that his client tells him. That's attorney-client relationship until these communists take over such that now if the lawyer don't tell the government what they want the government to hear, I mean what the government wants to hear, the lawyer can now be criminalized, charged with a crime. It's insane. Okay? Let's keep going. They say Gambian Lieutenant Colonel Lamine Sena spearheaded a failed coup after receiving a degree from a U.S. military university. In March 2012, U.S. trained junior officer Captain Amadou Sanogo led a coup in Mali. The United States is not the only country to produce such students. Masao Dadis Kamara, the leader of the 2008 coup in Guinea, trained in Germany. This might seem counterintuitive since the training provided to these officers is designed to encourage liberal values, including respect for civilian control. They can't be talking about these liberals because these liberals have no respect for civilian control or nothing. Okay, they say it's a norm central to the U.S.'s military own U.S. military's own identity. Moreover, the United States normally cuts security assistance when a coup occurs, which should deter military officers from attempting a takeover. Keep that in mind, family. They say we argue that the norm most likely to be transmitted by U.S. training is one to which foreign military officers are already receptive, a professional identity independent from that of their own government. So they train these military people to not view themselves their own country. All right? Because now... They are rugged individuals. That's what they were selling to black people in the early 80s. Rugged individualism. Okay? 
You are not part of a group. Pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Okay? Rugged individualism. Now, so we argue, blah, blah, blah. They say the U.S. military's distinct professional culture is largely based on Samuel Huntington's notion of, quote, objective civilian control, unquote. Family, if you really want to learn how these people think, put Samuel Huntington's, I forget this one seminal piece that he wrote. It was in Foreign Affairs. So just Google Samuel Huntington Foreign Affairs. Again, that's the magazine of the Council on Foreign Relations. He's one of their guys, but he was one of their thinkers, their leading thinkers, back during the 70s, 80s, and the 90s. Okay, I hope he's dead now. All right, don't know if he is. Uh, That'll give you major insight on just what it is you're dealing with. They say this ideal precludes military interference by in politics, but it also generates a strong, separate corporate identity. Huntington himself recognized that in countries that are not solidly established democracies, the more professional the military considers itself, the higher its temptation to intervene in political affairs. There's a way to deal with that. Okay, family? Arm the population. I'm sorry, Bear? He died in 2008. Who was that? Samuel Huntington. Oh, okay, yeah, good. Good riddance to bad rubbish. (laughs) Okay. Uh... But, yeah, he, he's something else, man, I, I tell you. And they didn't, I mean, they called Foreign Affairs magazine at the time that I was reading it, and I went through the archives. It's impossible to read all of it. But uh, I could trace it back to the founding of the League of Nations. That's when it was created uh, with major influence. Uh, what's the guy uh, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew? Who wrote the book Propaganda? I got the book sitting right over there. Help us out, family. He was Sigmund Freud's nephew. He created the whole psychological movement that's the literal underpinnings of society and this culture over the last 100 years. Years, a little bit more now. Okay. Anyway, uh, he was one of the creators of the League of Nations. Uh, I'm sorry. The Council of Foreign Relations. Thank you, my brother. Yes. Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays. He He was one of the founders. Yes. Thank you, family. He was one of the founders of the Council on Foreign Relations because his game was propaganda. Okay? So that's really interesting. They say that one dude, Edward Bernays, 
had more to do with the creation of the current society that we live in than anybody else in the history of this country. And that bastard lived to over 100 years old. Too mean to die. They say, a former National Defense University professor discussing a coup attempt by one of his students laid out the problem clearly in War on the Rock. Here's what he said. We teach them our approach to a profession of arms and professional ethics, and we teach them our approach to how they can create a successful, secure, and prosperous society back home. But what happens when there are profound contradictions between the ideal uh, they are taught and reality they see back home. Uh, again, there is a way in which you don't have to worry about significant coups called arming your population. But we're armed, and we we just saw a coup. Yeah, and it was undercover, Bear. Okay. It wasn't like these. Uh, let them do it like that. And what do you think happened to this country if somebody went into the White House and uh, basically t- told Orange Man he had to go? See, we talking overt as opposed to covert. The one we just went through, covert. The ones we are talking about in Africa, they're not covert. They're overt. They're right in everybody's face. That's the difference, okay? Uh, but if they did that, Bear, if they went to the White House and told Orange Man he had to go, because I'm telling you, I'm seeing some stuff take place. There was a uh, uh, a motorcade in the heart of New York the other day. Did you see that? No. Who who was in the motorcade? All Trump supporters. Mm. In broad daylight. And you had about four or five communists uh, came out there and put their mask over their face, of course, and was going to try to stop them. And it's quite interesting. The police never arrested any of them. Uh, and one of the little little dudes uh, even threaten the police, and that's on camera and recorded, and they wouldn't touch him. That lets you know who were in New York. Mm-hmm. All right, but they couldn't stop the truck, the uh, Trump convoy. They had a, a that Cadillac SUV, right. And um, big monster trucks, all professionally painted in Trump this, Trump that. So these people who did that convoy, they are not poor by any stretch of the imagination. Because them kind of paint jobs cost a mint, particularly on semi-tractor trailer trucks. All right. Uh, 
but they managed to, the police escorted them on through. The point is, if they went in the White House and tried to remove orange man, I thought these white people would go off. You saw what happened there in California, of all places, when uh, the bikers, remember the bikers? Mm-hmm. Thousands oh, and yeah. thousands of them. Thousands, right, right. Didn't they have a convoy that went to D.C.? Yeah. They leave our president alone. Did you see anybody uh, run out there and try to jump in their way? Nope. See, there are a lot of groups in this country that don't get no ink to any degree. Okay, and I always say, there's nothing in the history of this planet that kills like white people. Not plant, animal, mineral, you name it, virus, you name it. And then go tell me what virus has killed as many people as these world wars and all these other wars that these people consistently have over and over. Orange man being the only one, which is why they coming at him. Because he's cutting off their lifeblood that stopped the wars. That's the military-industrial complex that good old Ike, you know, the one that basically sanctioned the assassination of Patricia Lumumba and uh, several other African leaders to be followed by John Kennedy, who kept up the same policy. Okay. Talk, family. You better go back and reassess who you've been told your friends are. Okay. Why would you listen to a bunch of liars? Because you ain't got nothing to counteract them. The people that were counteracting counteracting them when we were coming up, um, many of them got assassinated or ran out the country or locked up. This real talk. Today, the people that run out here and call themselves black people are basically pushing the policies of the CIA, the very same people that's got this whole world in the state of flux. So they must have them. They must have the mentality of if you can't beat them, join them. Or, Bear, they're just a bunch of hoes, both the males and the females. Mm-hmm. Anything for so-called money and so-called power. Because if you look throughout black culture today, ain't that what some of the young people are doing? They'll do anything for some money and some power, even though they don't have it. They don't have either one. Kanye had some money and took it. He had some power, too, and they took that, too. You better take another reassessment, okay, or just take a reassessment of who your friends are because you'll find out, like Dr. Clark told us, 
You don't have very many. You can count them on one hand. If if you've been injured in a saw accident, they got but two fingers on one of your hands. You can take that hand and count your friends on that hand. I'm talking about in terms of other countries that will come to your aid. That's like squatting over all these people that fought on our behalf, whether I agree with the way they fought or not. All right, and a lot of them got locked up, like I said, assassinated, murdered, uh, ran out the country, etc. And now these black people today want to tell me that the CIA is my friend. You can kiss my my black hand. Man, I came close to saying that other thing. Anyway, <laughs> I get, I got close there because. This is no joke. A lot of people. And I'm not just talking about the brand name people that you all know about. I'm talking about other people who were poisoned. I know some politicians right here in Illinois who was working with the people. And, man, they end up very dead. Others end up in prison. Okay? Now, they say, in addition to reinforcing recipients' professional identity, aid in the form of military training provides more concrete benefits. Students gain professional knowledge on topics ranging from small unit tactics to grand strategy, enabling them to conduct military operations more effectively. But U.S. foreign military training can also impart a more ineffable form of social capital establishing a powerful network of prestige, trust, and reciprocal relations that allows privileged actors to enhance their status. This human capital is analogous to the soft power that, as Nanihal Singh argues in a wonderful book, plays an essential role in successful coups. Singh emphasizes that coups tend to to succeed not because of the differences in hard military power among the party, but the resources available for setting and coordinating expectations and making facts. U.S. military training can shift the balance of human human capital, enhancing the ability of soldiers to conduct a coup. Okay? Santa received an aid-funded master's degree from the National Defense University. Returning home from his prestigious assignment, he was chosen to lead the personal security force of Gambian dictator Yahya Jama. Later purged from the army, Santa fled to the United States, where he helped assemble a small group from the Gambian diaspora to conduct an unsuccessful coup attempt. By the way, family, we just saw a coup take place in Haiti where the prime minister was assassinated by a group of disgruntled Haitians who basically operated out of Florida and were directly connected to uh 
the United States government, i.e. the State Department. I know some of y'all remember that. All right? That was a coup right here. Did the U.S. bitch and moan? No, they didn't. Because they're the ones that basically, according to the guy that was caught, I think he was a doctor or a dentist. Uh, Yeah, they was working in conjunction with the United States government. Anyway, they go on to say, his six-page military strategy for Operation Gambian Freedom, sound familiar? Operation Gambian Freedom. So his strategy is replete with unique language of Pentagon operational doctrine. So he come up with his own little plan, right, and why he did what he did. But all of it was like he was sitting in uh, the School of the Americas taking notes from their handbook. They say, following his 2012 coup in Mali, Sonogo prominently displayed the insignia of the U.S. Marine Corps, a souvenir from his extensive training in the United States. Bruce Whitehouse argues that the pin conveys not only that the wearer has undergone special preparation, but also that he has access to distinctive outside sources of power. As such, it distinguishes him from other army officers. It's like uh, flashing a Masonic sign. Sam. By the way, I know some of you are aware that they dug up the graves of the Nice Templars, or they're digging up the graves of the Nice Templars. I'm talking about going back to the 10th century. My question is, so where, why... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Bill. No, I was just saying, where are they digging at? Uh, I'm sure in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Or England. I just scanned the article because I wasn't going to deal with it. But I just thought that it was interesting. I, I'll, I'll give you the information tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that they would be digging up the bodies of the nice tippers. Talking about bringing them back or something? They're going to bring back Jacques de Molay? Hmm. Let's keep going so we can finish up with this article before our time run out. They say, Bruce Whitehouse argued, blah, 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 blah. They say, uh, as such, it it distinguishes him from other Army officers. More practically, Sonogo's position as a popular English teacher allowed him to assume leadership of a band of mutinying soldiers on his base power. Anecdotes suggest this dynamic is not limited to American training. The 2008 seizure in Guinea was known as the German coup because the small number of low-level Bundeswehr-trained officers discreetly communicated in this common language, German. Camara's rule only lasted until December 3rd, 
2009, when following an assassination attempt, he was replaced by his vice president, a French-trained paratrooper. They go on to say, given the qualitative evidence, we've turned to statistical analysis was more widespread. We collected all instances of military-backed coups from two data sets. We then collected data from the Defense Security Cooperation Agency, focusing on students that were trained and money spent for the flagship International Military Education and Training Program, which explicitly focuses in part on civil military relations and human rights training. Okay, so they're going to give you a breakdown of all that, not germane to where I'm going here, although it is. They say, in in additional analysis, we showed that U.S. foreign military training also correlates to coup success. We also found the effect both during and after the Cold War. Finally, while the, the effect is smaller in democracies than in non-democracies, it is still significant. So they're basically telling you, want a coup? Come to our schools. And some of us may say, well, Robert, that ain't, that's not germane to what's going on in this country today. And I say, who do you think was out there running around talking about our democracy? Who did you see out there raising hell, burning shit up, setting stuff on fire? Who did you see out there, Ben? Oh, you're talking about when they was, you're talking about the uh, mass people or you're talking about our people when they was breaking in the stores? When you saw all these people out there raising hell, so-called rioting, uh, mostly uh, fiery but mostly peaceful riots, okay, mm-hmm. after George Floyd, who did you really see out there? What age group were those people out there? Oh, the young people. Weren't many of them uh, college graduates? Yeah. Are going to college? Look at the colleges and yeah. universities. Who do you see there? Young people. Young people. Overwhelmingly, right? Mm-hmm. To say since the universities have been part of a weaponized apparatus? Yes. The behavior that you see in the young people is similar and perhaps could be cause for alarm to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've been propagandized. They've been trained by not the school of the Americas, but the schools of America. Mm-hmm. They ain't getting that behavior from at home. This stuff is coming straight out to colleges and universities. And a lot of the dysfunction that you see going on politically is being fostered by the schools in the Americas. One of the most dangerous places I've been saying it for decades are your colleges and universities. 
That's why. That's why when Orange Man was in office, he was pushing uh, trade schools. Correct. And that only is germane if you are going to relegate, uh, which I think, again, I've been calling for this, technology to specific areas. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if they turn the robots loose, most of the jobs that people would, uh, would be considered tradesmen in, the robots are going to do it, and they're going to be doing flips and shit while they're doing it. They're going to be building buildings uh, by climbing them, not using the scaffold. If y'all can picture these robots with uh, 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 200-pound beams that they're carrying up the side of the building to you know, put the next beam in place. Not taking no uh, lunch break and working 12-hour shifts. And they ain't got to worry about no sexual harassment, at least at the outset. Yeah. Okay? Things have to be relegated to only certain areas in a culture. Otherwise, they will take over. All right? Because the corporations don't give a damn about the people. Everybody should know that by now. Mm-hmm. All right? So, how much time we got left, Bill? Oh, we should be that ran out of time. We out. That's what I thought. Well, mm-hmm. I did get through with that article, so we stop mm-hmm. right there and we come back tomorrow, Bill. Okay. So we All right. I'm going to open. All right. And, uh, I'm going to open up the lines here, everyone. And uh, Dr. Robert X, he still has his GoFundMe page, so if you want to donate, that page is there uh, for his time and his effort and his work that he's uh, given us, all of this enlightenment information. And also, Dr. X, uh, when is your form again? Sunday? That's this Sunday, August 27th, at 357 East 79th at King Solomon's Mines from 2 to 5 p.m. There is a $10 donation, but we don't never send nobody home. If you ain't got but $8.50, come on down. Okay? And the title of the form is UN. Because we got some people that think the UN is somehow a reputable organization. I can't figure out why. Anyway, we decided to title it so you can really understand what the UN means to you. U-N-I-G-G-A. Right. If you If you remove that hyphen, what you got is you nigger. Yeah. Because that's how they view you. Mm-hmm. And you, it's enough, nigga. Absolutely. <laughs> Wherever you get. Yeah. All right. So, I'm getting ready to open the lines up. Let's start with uh, the general.
Hey, y'all hear me? Yes, we can. What's up, brother? Well, better love. What's up, Bud Billiken? Bud Billiken, where you been, Bud Billiken? Man, I've been right here, man. Come on, man. Come on, bro. You can fool some of the people some of the time, and nah, <laughs> not here. Come on, bro. Oh, I've been and right here, Come on, you can't fool all the people all the time, man. You know, I'm talking about Bud Billiken, man. You got Sister Bell. We talking about digging up the night temper. Sister Bell was digging for you last week, man. Talking about we can't find Dr. X. We can't find him. Like, you got ghosts and shit, man. You digging yeah. up dead people there. You digging well, up, uh, 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 what's his name, Dr. Blair. He dug up Dr. Blair, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bev know me better than most of my own friends. Bev hit it right on the head, right from the beginning. Bro, you got ghosts, man. I don't know if you chat GPT. I don't know if you're real or not, man. But look here, man. Y'all keep cursing yourself, man. You know, we call yourself uh, Leo Sipricana Africanus, man. Every time y'all use that fucking name, y'all cussing yourself, man. Them people over there I don't talk to them, they not call no Africans. They call they, the name of that land is Al Kivalon. Meaning the Garden of Eden. We must always talk about get the words right, man. Get the word right. Quit cussing yourself, man. Last week I got a damn headache. I almost I don't see why I, that's why you got ghosts, man. You cuss yourself, man. Okay. And look at here. A, a prominent man smiled at me. What did he say? You had one dumbass that had y'all start calling yourself African American. You know who that was? A dumbass Jesse, right? Come up with that bullshit. So somebody smiley Jesse said, "Every time y'all say African American, you know what that means? African means no goddamn memory. In your brain wants you to be hit the head. No memory. Every time you say Africa, you got no memory. Okay." And every time you say America, what that means? You ain't got no damn right. So you're cussing yourself double, man. You know who said that? I don't, I appreciate uh, uh, what he did when he, in the, he closed doors, but when he was really re- outside, uh, uh, what name? James Baldwin. That's what he said, yeah. man. James Baldwin say when you say African American, that means African. No memory. You brainwashed. You ain't got no memory. You hit in the head. In America, no right. Okay, that's what James Baldwin said, man. So we got to stop cussing ourselves, man. Please, I mean, I, that that gave me a headache yesterday, uh, last week, man. When you were quiet, me, quiet me, folks, to know better than that, man. Well, we have to deal so with let, the people where they are, Wes. Let me tell you uh, something. You got to change the language, man. It, it tired, I can't deal with simple terms, man. Listen, there's you, nobody you, I respect you more than There's bro, nobody bro, I respect you, more than Dr. There's nobody I respect more. Go ahead, Wes. Go ahead. There's nobody I respect more. Okay, somebody got to let somebody talk. Yeah, speak. I let you speak. You my elder. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother Wes. You my elder, man. I said what I had to say on that subject. Okay, well, there's nobody I respect more than Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark. And I can't tell you, okay, how many times these various same brothers said Africa as opposed to Akibulon. I'm very much aware of that African name, okay? 
But guess what? I run into a lot of Africans who use the word African. Why? Because that's the accepted word that we're all accustomed to hearing. Not that it's accurate, but it's the word that most of us are accustomed to hearing. That's why we use it. If I said a kibilan to the average black person in this country, I'd have to go get a dictionary to explain to them what the hell I was talking about. Well, it's time I to job teach your people, man. Okay, well, we it's did. time to get out of this bullshit excuses, man. I talked to some Africans. They tell me the name of that place in El Kibilan, man. Yeah, okay, it's time to... Uh, okay, you, you can be what you want to. You just said it yourself. You said you talked to some who? I talked to some people over in that land, in that land, man. That's what I some said. Africans. From that land, man. The real name is El All I'm talking about is convenience. Just like you just use it, I just use it. But I'm very much aware. Like, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Okay? I'm saying... I'm using the accepted jargon that most people are familiar with. That's all. Okay, you don't see what I'm saying, man. But yes, I'm just trying to elevate and stop I, I see, I see what you. I see what you're saying because words are very powerful. And words, yes, they, you know, they use them as spells. That's why they call it spelling. Mm-hmm. And so to yes, get up right. and up under the spell that they have put us in, which they... They, it's always about them. They put their face, uh, replace mm-hmm. our face with their face. So the African yes, right. is about the, a white face, but a Kibalan. So a lot mm-hmm. of people, when you say a Kibalan, because I used to say that, and they was like, mm-hmm. who, what? And that gave me you an just opportunity got to tell them who, uh, where I, I say, that's Africa. That's the real name of Africa. And they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. Sometimes and, and I don't need to stuff to people all the time. Same thing with Egypt and Kemet. Yeah, I don't say Kemet, but oh yeah, I understand. I, I understand both sides. I do both. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I, 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 I can't give no uh, Leon Simple Connors uh, asshole no fucking credit. I can't do it, man. I don't do it. Y'all can do what y'all want to, man. What language do you speak? Uh, I'm speaking the English, but it's oh, I, to use so right, I use the right terminology, bro. Okay. There's no it's such thing as right stop, terminology stop. in English because English is a bastardized yes, is, language. You, you just want to be right. I, I give you that, man. And I ain't got time. I, my, my rule is I'm not going back and forth with nobody look like me because that's what the enemy wants. So once I say something two times, I move on. Because I know I how the Negro. Take shit personal instead of just taking the dog on the meaning of the conversation instead of personal. You see, you niggas hate to be wrong, Miss Bell. And now the white man, if I drew call in and say the same shit, y'all niggas suck that shit up like it's fucking uh, big foot juice. Okay? I love time to cut the bullshit out and quit cussing ourselves, man. That's all the point I'm trying to make. Sister Bell, right. I learned a long time ago, man. This ain't my language. I I didn't bring it here with me, and I ain't taking it with me when I leave. That's well, once you know that one of them words we use in English is a cuss word, you, you want to stay cuss or you want to move up? Yes, your uh, all, of, all of English is a cuss word. 
90%. I, that's right. And a lot of it is stolen language from other people. Let's call it appropriated. Appropriated language from other people. So when you use that's English, right. I tell you something like Nigeria, see? The real language, Hebrew, was read from right Who's to the left. Language? Listen to me now. Can you listen for a minute? Can you listen, bro? The original Aramaic language there, bro. Since you want to try to get picked now, split half. No. The original spoken language. Why are you speaking in Aramaic? Bro, I'm just trying to tell you what the original manuscript is. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, man. Brother, you don't want to listen. You don't want to listen, man. The original manuscript was written for now. From right to left. This English shit is from left to right. And I'm just explaining to you, bro. I ain't you're speaking to the choir, my around. brother. I don't you're turn around to no Negro. I went over huh? this stuff 35, 40 years ago, man. Well, you forgot? No, I ain't forgot. You, know you got to I be right I'm, all the time. You I say thank you for the knowledge, bro. Of convenience. That's what I said. All right. Whatever, I told man. you I'm disagreeing with what you're saying, my brother. You're not hearing me. I hear you real good, bro. I listen, I listen to you more than I talk to you. I listened for three weeks to then call in and say something. Bell see me on a hole. I learned by listening, not by fucking talking. When somebody explains stuff to me, I listen. All right? And speaking of war, we at war. You saying something about uh, he who chose uh, that place you call uh, Leo Superconnus, he who control that land, control the world, right? That what you saying? Well, uh, yeah. you talking about New York? Okay. No, no he's talking, talking about, about over there. Al <laughs> he who control Al controls the world, right? That what you saying, right? <laughs> yeah. That's your words, right? Yeah. You're wrong. He who controls the we control the weather control the world, man. No fucking can okay. make air tell you on flood up or drought. And you be some dead niggas over there. He who control the weather controls the world, not man. Come on, bro. I'ma leave it like that and let somebody talk, man. Y'all Negroes, man, y'all get what? locked in and sucked in. And your boy even said Al Kiba on this shit old country, man. Your boy said it. Did he say that? Uh, what'd you say? Your boy said Al Kiba Law is a shithole country. Didn't he say that? Who said who, that? Who said Your boy. Yeah, who is your boy? boy? Y'all boy. Y'all boy. Who you talking Come about? Now, you see that boy? Yeah, he said that Al Kiba Law is a shithole country. Didn't he say that? No. Okay. Uh, you want to make me go back? I hate to prove people wrong. That's not Didn't what he, he said. That's what he said, he said, bro. He said some shithole countries. He didn't name a country. He was specifically talking about a specific place, just like when he talked about the the, uh, the Mexicans who were rapists and gang coming across the border. Or he was talking about Islamic countries that are more favorable wow. to terrorists. The white people took that and said that he was talking about everybody. When that's not what he did. That's not what he said. And that ain't my okay, boy. Man. That ain't my boy. <laughs> Y'all think don't save the world, man. <laughs> no. 
I no, tell you we what. don't think that. I, I, I definitely, we don't think that. You know what? I'm, sure. I, I don't like none of them motherfuckers. Dividing, the old Biden, the dividing, and your boy Trump, all of them is shitholes. They time well, is up, regardless of the fact. They time is up. That's a fact. That's cool, Wes. time is up. But that ain't changing nothing. If, if the time is up, what's the argument? Just sit back and uh, be cool. Get out of their wall, man. The obvious is this shit being... Didn't, didn't what they said. The Jews did not replace us. Right? You know what they said? They weren't talking because they, they already replaced you black dumb niggas. So they were talking about the white boys. I, they don't replace y'all. Y'all been replaced. I don't think this is the time for us to step back. I think this is the time for us to get busy. Yeah, you get busy, but you and don't create. get any fight. We live here in America. I mean, America is under attack. So it's our land. I'm from the original people that was here. My ancestors uh, did not come from Africa. They was right here. Hey, Bill, Bill, you look up your family name. Look up Calhoun to see. Okay, That's I, my I got your name. Look name. up, look up McCleary. I, hey, I said the same shit till I found my family name. Okay, Boyd family. I said the same shit. Remember that day I said something about some slavery uh, preparation? Age? Right. The next day, right. the Creator slapped me upside my head and said my people was in captivity. Okay, so I mean, it is what. Look up your name. People, the original people was in cap. We were taken over. By the foreigners, yep. they came over here and took yep. the land over. That's what. That's what was yep. going on. You know on. how they happened. You know how they happened. They looked it like us. Y'all know how they happened. Huh? Huh? You know how they happened. Uh, 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 how, Bud Billigan. How did they happen, Bud Billigan? How did it happen? Well, how did it happen? I'm asking you. I, I, I already know. I want y'all to see what y'all know. I said it was I people that looked like us. What? How did that happen? That we was in control and now where we at now? Uh, apparently, we made some. We made some. This has been my point from day one, which is why I don't subscribe to no singular origin of anything because I don't know enough to say. Who was on this planet first? I can only tell you where my research has taken me. I don't come out here and try to tell somebody that this is a one-size-fit-all because I'm not smart enough to make that declaration. And I damn sure ain't going to tell my people that Hebrew is their original language under no circumstances. Now, people want to use Hebrew as a way to communicate amongst themselves. I ain't got no problem with it. None, but I got questions in terms of where did the symbology come from? You see, I went back and looked at the origin of the alphabet and the symbols and all those things, okay, years ago. A lot of it you can find right here on Truth to Power in the archives. So I'm not smart enough to say with absolute certainty what is in terms of origin. I can only go as far as my bus uh, transfer, my bus fare would take me. I can only speak to what my my uh, research shows. I can't go 
and be absolute in terms of anybody's scriptural references and make that the end-all, be-all. I don't operate that way because I don't know enough. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank I you, Russ. Hold on. That's, that's yeah. our reasonable. I say we gave it away, man. We gave up our powers. That's your Simply opinion. That. No, that's a fact, That's bro. your opinion. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to you how we gave up our power, bro. Right now. 2023, niggas talk too much. I told y'all before, niggas go to talking. They told everything we know, bro. That's a fact. Look at the price of uh, oxtails and turkey wings and shit. <laughs> a nigga showed them how to cook it, bro. Okay? That's 2023. That's a fact. Wait a minute. I, I mute myself. What, what, That's a, I mute myself, bro. Wait a minute. What's a nigga? What is a nigga? Because you keep a using that word. I Negro. I said Negro. All you know. You said nigga over and over. So I'm going to know I'm what is a nigga. Yes, I do. I, 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 uh, I pimp slapped myself. He pimp slapped his own self. I can feel the anger <laughs> coming out. I'll catch, catch you next week there, uh, Professor. Yes, sir. We'll Hotel, okay, brother. Tomorrow. Better love. Okay. Peace. Better love. Okay. We're going to Mike. <laughs> Hotep, y'all. Hotep, how y'all doing? Hotep. Hotep, brother Mike, better love. That name that you were using to identify the continent, uh, I think y'all were pronouncing it incorrectly. I think it's called Akabulan. Oh, Akabulan? Yes, I think that's how it's pronounced. And what language is that? Does anyone know? Nope. I thought it was oh, just the language it. of the people, the original people that was there. I'm just going by the, hearsay. The original people on the continent spoke uh, a number of different languages because there are a number of different people on the continent. So that, that, that word comes from some particular group of people, I would think. I don't know either. I'm just asking. But anyway, let me, let me just get on here. Um, uh, Rob, you were talking about these uh, the so-called intelligentsia from our community. Yes, and and uh, we know uh, that you know for the most part, black folk who got money to invest, they don't yes. invest in black success because they don't see success there. They invest in white success, which is kind of uh, backwards as hell. If you a black person and you betting on somebody else to win, so, see something else, something wrong with your ass, right there. You saying somebody else gonna win and I'm betting they gonna win. So you betting you gonna lose and you putting your energy towards you losing. That's a serious mental defect there that most people don't even recognize. Cause you remember, uh, Messy Jesse had his Wall Street project. You remember that line? Yes, sir. Yeah, where you would invest in uh, the success of white people. Or, Correct. Uh, right? And if yep. you're investing in the success of other people, what does that say about you? You ain't got to be no rocket science to figure this shit out because I ain't one. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Those people who look like us that invest in other people's success, they ain't our people. 
see, this, and I'm going to hook that up with what I'm going to tell you about this nigga they call Obama. Black people call him uh, our brother because he got melanated skin. But we are, he's no closer to us than a German is. He ain't one of us. He don't have our experience. His background is not our background. Uh, Barack Obama has utter contempt for so-called black people in America. Utter and that's contempt. a fact. But, that, yeah, but you can't convince them of that. You can't convince most black people of that, and it's based I'm entirely on his complexion, right? I'm not, and I'm not going to that. And you can go to Kamala Harris with that same argument. I didn't heard black people call, well, she black. Just because you got melanin in your skin, that don't mean you and me in the same club. You got that's black people tried, in India, black, blacker than us. That's why I've tried right? to make projections. Yes. I've tried to make projections to show people, our people, where the world is heading and how we are going to be able to survive in it. Okay? Because the people that are coming at you are your color. Blacker than you, whiter than you, okay? So you're yeah, going to need allies that don't look like you in order to get the places you need to go. Um, and I, 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 you know, here's what I think is going on, Rob. I'm sorry for cutting you off. That's right. I think there is, there is mass um, hysteria or mass hypnosis over the majority of the black community because mm-hmm. you'll find that the majority of us think just what I'm saying. So for I'm going to give you another example. When they say that Trump said swallow bleach, I have pulled up the video and I have let people listen to it. And he never says drink bleach, but after they get through listening to it, Rob, they still say he said, he said drink bleach. After listening to it, he never said it. He asked a I question. Look, right? You just that heard, is mass hysteria. You just heard right. West call Trump my boy, because that means that West don't really hear me. I wouldn't care if the person was purple with pink polka dots. When I saw what was going on with him or anybody else. I would say something about it because for me, there is a such thing as right and wrong. I don't give a damn what color you are. See, that's my whole point. The whole focus of what I've been dealing with here is what do black people want? Revenge or justice? Now, if you want revenge, get your ass in the revenge line because I guarantee you ain't no end to it. Ain't no end to it. Justice is to put an end to things that have been unjustifiable or injustice. Revenge yeah, because revolving door. Yeah, there's no end to revenge. Period. And so again, just get, just get in that line. Right, but and if, you're war, wrong. if you at war, what happens if you lose? Because uh, there are losers in war. A, right, well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what happens to losers in war. They get their ass That's killed. That. That's what they get. So, okay, I don't, 
I, I don't reside in this fairy tale world where we basically just have to show our skin and all of a sudden we got magic powers. And I'm as metaphysical as you can get, but I'm also a realist. And I think Brother West says something very important. We must have did something awfully wrong to lose all these powers because I've pondered that question. I, I put it out here on the program. We got all these extra powers. We we must have did something awful. Why we why are we on the bottom when we always attest to our greatness? Is that what you're saying? How do we end up on the bottom? Across the planet. Across the planet. If you find black folks, you find them where you find every black folk on the bottom. Even on the continent which is totally populated by them, uh, 80% probably, and they're still on the bottom there. I didn't so even get to the point. I only mentioned ECOWAS. ECOWAS is a, a conglomerate of black countries that work for white supremacy who are talking about attacking Niger because that's their role, to keep the niggas in line. Well, you know, uh, uh my neighbor is is from Nigeria, mm-hmm. and he tells me that they are terrified of Caucasians. Uh, look, what did I say? I said this years ago, Mike. I said, I'm not quite sure if we terrible. You might recall, it's been a long, long time ago, man. I said, you can take a look at this thing and say that we really love white people. Because damn near everything we do is in, was an imitation of them. Yes. That's why we had uh, traitors like uh, um, that Negro that went to, to the Supreme Court in 1954 and handed our children over to his masters. That's why we had people like him, because they love Caucasians. Then there are those of us who are few in number who don't love them. And I think that it comes from whoever created us. If you look at our people, and I ain't worried about what other people and how their behavior is, but if you look at our people, it's real clear that whatever created us created a whole bunch of dumbass motherfuckers. Oh, man. Oh, well, that's the truth, Rob. Created us, created a whole bunch of dumbass people. You, how else do you explain uh, the majority of black folks still talking about being a goddamn Democrat? Man, it's a lot that, of reasons. It's huh? a lot of reasons, Mike. I ain't got time to go into all of them. It's just no, a whole it, it bunch no, of reasons. It's, no, it's not a whole lot of reasons, right? Because it's all oh, based yes, on what you is, think. Too. Oh, yes, there no, is. No. It's, it's all based on what you think. So thinking ain't a whole lot of things. That's one process. Well, if people can control your thinking, they got you. Well, you just admitted it. Well, you talking about what's going well, on in Africa and how they terrify the white people in an African country. Yeah, well, listen, you know what the largest growing religion in Africa is, Rob? Islam, ain't it? No, uh, uh, no sir, Catholicism. Not that it's okay. any better. So? Not that it's any better, but Catholicism. So? It's not so. 
No, my point is, it doesn't matter. No, so I'm saying one is not any better than the other one. But I guess exactly. it but it is Catholicism. Because both of them okay. white boys anyway. They both white boys. Well, in the the Catholicism both white boys. Catholicism ain't setting the world on fire even in Africa. Catholicism ain't setting the world on fire nowhere. Going religion in Africa, Rob, so it's setting Africa on fire. I imagine that. But that's compared okay. to what? If eighty percent of Africa, if eighty percent of Africa is either Islamic or Christian, that leaves twenty percent for for Catholic. They still a minority. Oh, I don't know about that, Rob. Let me go on though. I'm gonna finish up here. When you were yeah. saying something about taking black folks back into slavery again, yeah. uh, I, I think I think that uh, <laughs> many of us are primed for that and. It'll be without us even recognizing that we are. And then I'm going to close with this. I said, Did you mention Putin earlier, Rob? Nope. Only in terms okay. of, of the deals that Russia has made with, with several of the African countries and contracts to build roads okay. and uh, do training, set up training programs, building stuff. Same with China. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, let me just say this, and then I'll be finished. Somebody else will get on. I, I've talked to a number of people, uh, our people, and they aren't nothing but parrots of CNN. They say Putin is a dictator. And I say, well, you know, I've read material where Putin has an 80% approval rating from his people. That don't sound like a dictator to me with an 80% approval rating. Do you expect people that watch CNN or ABC or CBS or any of the other propaganda on a consistent basis, what would you expect to come out their mouths? Well, that's exactly what I was getting ready to end with. I said, that's because you listen to CNN. That's why you think he's a dictator, because that's where you that shit on CNN or whatever other station you listen to. That's most of the anguish against Orange Man. Because people don't come with no facts. They come with glamorized propaganda. Yeah. I, I gave a clear illustration of that. You were at the forum when three or four people said that Trump uh, basically said he was having sex with his daughter. I'd never he heard that before. That. I didn't argue with him. I came home and I do what I do. I went and pulled up the video and there was nothing even remotely. But they wanted, they hate this man so much that they want his words to be what somebody else said. And then I played the people who said it. And they were Jewish propagandists. But the people haven't been educated to, to, uh, to be able to distinguish between Jewish-run propaganda, let me say Zionist-run propaganda, Propaganda and reality are true. Well, now, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he did say that if it wasn't his daughter, that he would, or something to that effect. Because and, he was and a to good me, woman to him. And I said that I got a handsome grandson, and I told him that. I was like, if you weren't my grandson I, and I was y- your age, I'd be all over you. 
I got signed relatives, nieces. Yeah. Signed as cat hair. And I would say the same thing to them. And I, but I wouldn't go near them because they're my relatives. That's my blood. Right. So that's nothing uncommon. But and the that's propaganda, my grandbaby. Right. Yeah, the, the propaganda says, here's what he said. It's not what he said. It's what they want him to say. But Rob, how do you listen to a video and still not be able to hear what he said? You still because hear some other it's, shit. It's, it's called confirmation bias. It reinforces what you already think you know. It's called confirmation bias. I thought it was cognitive dissonance. No, that's for people who can't hear anything. They don't hear nothing. All right. So there's confirmation bias. I'll finish tomorrow. Okay, thank you, Mike. Hotel. Hotel. Maybe... um, you know, we, we got this melon in us, and I took a, a melanin, one of those melatonin pills. That stuff knocked me out. So maybe wow. it, it is we are easily to be hypnotized, and maybe they understand that because of, you know, our chemistry. So it you seems know what like it is, a lot yeah. of us, what is it? Because we are susceptible to it. That's a lot of what's causing our behavior. We are susceptible to the programming because for many of us, our entire lives is TV. That's a form of hypnosis. Programming. Yeah. This is where, see, responsible black people, I've watched Black people give five-year-old children uh, these damn cell phones. Six mm-hmm. years old, they got a cell phone. Taking it to school with them. Here, call me if you need to call me for something. Seven years old. To hell with the ramifications. That's why Michael Jihad, who was just on the line, told me that his little nephew Basically, when and you chat GPT, eight years old, mm-hmm. to write a paper for him. Eight years old. I didn't say eighteen. I said eight. Well, where's that programming coming from? There's only one place he could get it from. Because you ain't gonna turn on no regular TV and get no chat GPT. He's online. Internet. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very much aware because of his other 8-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds who are telling him about chat GPT. And so he's going to tune in. See, uh, let me I open up. Our people are the stupidest people on this planet. I expect much of the behavior I see from our people. I expect much of what I see. Okay. Because I understand the level of programming that our people are up under, specifically yeah. with the the foundation of it being the television. And I keep telling people, y'all think I'm playing, and you keep saying it. Uh, you can't tell me that everybody you talk to, they're watching CNN, and then you tell me, 
that everything come out their mouth sound like it's right off sin. It is. It is. And our people uniquely. If you take away black people from CNN, they wouldn't have no viewers. They hardly got none now. But the few people that watch is us. And it's obvious. Why? Because you, as Brother Mike said, we parrot every single word that come off of that. That's what you do when you're under hypnosis. Yes. But programming is hypnosis. That's right. That's what I'm saying. So, no, we are susceptible because of our condition in this country. We are susceptible to it more than anybody else. Okay? It's come in my house. And guess what? You're going to have to look all over the damn place to see, to find. And I do have one. And it ain't been plugged up in three years. I'm talking about a television. Okay. Okay, let me let um Go ahead, Bear. Let me let Tuckmo in. Tuckmo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love. How y'all today? Man, yeah. Tuck, let me tell yes. you what I'm doing, man. Trump is my boy because he's not a fascist dictator. Like what we see going on with this corpse that's right in everybody's face, but everything they accuse Orange Man of, it's not my opinion. It's proven in courts of law. It's an out-and-out lie. And that's all he's been doing on this dude. But he's my boy. Because I can't deal with the fascists who are running around the world murdering people by the hundreds of thousands to hide these dirty deals. Yeah. I get that. I get that sentiment from time to time. Like, um, because, hey, I like Trump, you know what I'm saying? But I don't vote. So I was like, I ain't have a door, a horse in the race. You voted. One way or another, so you participated in it. You know, I'm just talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, I say point blank. I respect that dude because I understand the fight that he up against. Now, you go and get me any other person in this country or on this planet that's undergone the scrutiny that this guy has, and he ain't blinked. Go find me another one. I respect fighters yeah, that's they... what all my life. No one's, yeah, I haven't seen anyone endure uh, what he's endured probably since civil rights ever, you know, how they was, how they did them dudes. But even, uh, I ain't never seen a white man get this type of treatment. What? So I know. Huh? Go ahead, Ted. Yeah, I never seen a white man get this treatment. And I knew it from the rip because... They white people have a code, right? When they how they how they um how they deal with um how they practice their their um racism, and one of their 
codes. They don't call one another no goddamn white supremacists or racists. That's against their code. Man, that, he, you don't know what he has in his heart. You know, that you, they defend you, uh, another white person. But Trump was the first one I ever seen everyone get on the news and they just call him a white. And it was, it was cool for black people to do it too. I'm like, this is the same media that left said that the people who was on their rooftops was refugees just a few years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I knew something was up, but, um, you know, my, I told my coworker that Biden only gave the people in Hawaii $700. This was last week, right? Right. And I said, man, $700 and they lost everything. So she said, no, he didn't. He's going to give them more money than that. So I said, no, nah. I pull up the article and I show it to her right there. You know, she's right, she sits right next to me. I pull it right up on my computer. Biden right. gives them $700, whatever. So um, she says, well, at least, uh, at least he didn't throw paper towels at them, alluding to Trump, right? So, and this is a white lady. This is a white lady. Liberal white, you know what I'm saying? So, notice, I noticed the same thing when I talk to black people and I criticize Biden. I'm not even mentioning Trump. I criticize Biden. And the first thing they do is go into denial because, you know, what I'm saying is, oh, no, I'll show it. Right from, I go to a reputable, what they would call a reputable news source, right? Because it's like it's there. Y'all just y'all just keep watching the news instead of reading it, right? So yep. you know, go to the reputable. It's in Routers. It's in New York Times. It's in Washington. It's there in the liberal press, so they can't deny it. So what they do automatically? Now, mind you, I'm just criticizing Biden. They start taking shots at Trump. Yeah. Why can't y'all just take the criticism of Biden? Why? Why? I didn't even mention Trump. How come you, like that's your that's your um that's your defense of Trump. I mean, of Biden is to criticize Trump because you have no defense for the shit he's doing. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So he goes now. He goes out to Hawaii finally after 13 days. He makes a joke. You know, you guys, uh, you uh, you guys catch the boots out here. That ground is hot, man. And he starts laughing. So these people dead, man. They done turned into ash in the middle of the street, and you making jokes, right? And then he says to the mayor of Maui County, look like you played defensive tackle for, I don't know who, but somebody good. Making another joke, you know, because, you know, a lot of Hawaiians and Samoans and stuff are in the NFL. Right. And then um, he made up a lie talking about how he almost lost his wife and his 67 Corvette and his cat in a fire, which lasted a few minutes, according to the That's reports. Happened to them people. Yeah. And then when he's meeting with the the families of these people who's missing, they miss it. They per, the person that's missing is dead. It's 13 days later. It ain't nothing left there. So where they at? They either could swim for 13 days or they a part of the ash, right? Yeah. And he makes it, he falls asleep in the middle of the doggone meeting with these families, man. They, 
as he was leaving the alley, it got on the loudspeaker and said, "Fuck Joe, fuck Joe Biden." Is that you know, part the source of what? Where does he go where he don't get that? Nowhere, man. So now uh, it's been a lot of reports. Now, of course, all of the fact checkers automatically saying, "Oh, this is false. This is false." Now. Drybone sent me a report with the guy saying that everything on the he's he's on the island. He's saying everything burned unless it was blue, right? Hey Bev, did you see the video I sent you earlier? Wait a minute, I got my mute on. No, I'll look at it. I haven't looked at it yet. It's a short. It's a short little video, and it has um, him. This guy with the laser, and it's a bunch of rags. Mm-hmm. It's like a red rag, a yellow rag, a green rag, a blue rag, and a white rag. And he yeah. just points the, the, laser, the laser at the rags, and they start burning. And when he gets to the blue rag, don't do nothing. Burns every mm-hmm. other rag with the laser, but it doesn't do nothing to the blue rag. So all the pictures from Hawaii, all the blue cars are... Are, are right there, but they nothing burns down. You know, blue beach chairs, blue everything that's blue is, is isn't burnt. You know what I'm saying? But the houses, everything else is gone. So that's telling you they're using laser technology. Correct you know. That is correct. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can't say same people that we know is spraying chemtrails and stuff like that. They not. They don't have. They won't do something like this. They're already trying to kill, you know, the sun and everything else on the planet. And they so, did um, before in California a few years ago, the same thing. Yeah, but I think in California they was using those smart meters on them houses because those houses was burning in the trees and stuff. It was like a forest fire, but all the houses burnt in the trees and stuff. Nothing happened. It was how the exactly. house burned right where... Where that smart meter was, I think maybe the laser tapped into the smart meter or whatever. But it seems like those smart meters was causing those fires. Um, but yeah. um, yeah, <laughs> I've been listening to West man talk about this Al Kibalon, man. And I'd be like, man, y'all crazy, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When did when did Africa not become a? We said when did Africa? <laughs> No, I'm saying, when did Africa not become a shithole, man? It's It's been a shithole my whole life. They had people on TV with flies all around them. Now, what do flies fly on? You know, know. what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, outside of the world, doo-doo. Little kids with big stomachs and stuff. Like, all oh, those poor kids. Like, man, listen, man, those governments are terrible, man. And all... Um, about the people shit. in Nigeria. He didn't name the whole continent. He was talking about shithole countries, countries that are abnormally uh, rooted in poverty because of criminal behavior yeah. on the part of government. Well, that's because Trump was being nice. I would have called the whole thing a total shithole, man. It's a total shithole, man. Y'all need to fix it up, all right? It's, it's ridiculous that it looks like this after all these years. You understand, like, and that's just how I feel. Now, the people in Nigeria, I feel them, but it's like, that's not my concern, man. Um, 
I don't believe in how they like tying the African struggle into our struggle and trying to compare colonialism to slavery. You understand? Because we 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 fought to get out. It's like either way, we so got it. we got we got tens of thousands of we got tens of thousands of these Africans uptown alone, and they come here and call us slaves. Y'all slaves, they call it Akata. And um, they tell us we still colonialized because we still talk about what happened to us. Oh, y'all just need to let go of that past. And what these people owe us. What are you talking about? Like, we owe them an ass whipping, and they owe us a whole lot of shit. You know, they never, you know. So, I, I don't know, it. man. If I come into your country and take over your country by force, and put you up under subject to me. Is that slavery? Difference in that and me taking a few thousand of you out of that country and bring you to my country to do exactly the same thing. What's the difference? Big difference. Big difference. Because one is you took me somewhere I don't belong, right? Apparently. And the way it was practiced it, it never ended. Y'all ended colonialism 400 years. Colonialism started in the 1800s. It was over by the 1900s. So it's a big difference. It's a big difference when you're breeding people to do certain jobs than when you're just cutting people's hands off for not doing a job. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a big yeah. difference. Um, I get it. So when they cut uh, off when you cut off the African runaway slaves and when they cut off their legs and all that kind of stuff, that's different. No, they cut their legs off because they didn't want to work. You know what I'm saying? They were supposed to get the rubber out the tree. And, yeah, you know, they but they coach, they made That's exactly the same thing they did in the Congo. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's a big difference when you'll go and sleep with your slave have a baby and make your baby a slave. It's a big difference, man. It's a big difference. Uh, you know, you can cut it how you want to. You can try to compare the two things, that, that argument. Uh, but it's, it's two, two what different about things. If, if it wasn't slave, what about if it was indentured slavery? What about, you know, these people lie. And what about the narrative that they are, the story that they untold us is not the way they that it was? What about if that, that could be um that could be true, but how, as far as I know, indentured service they, was the Europeans. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my and they had a time frame. Yeah, but they, uh, so if it was us, then how come the kids were slaves? Because an indentured servant, their kids aren't slaves. Indentured service had so the, had the capabilities of buying themselves out but of exactly. slavery. That, that's besides the point I'm trying to make here. I'm talking about really, Africa. Yeah, Y'all want to go really into this on uh, this what happened in America stuff? The what the Africans the need Africans, to do the same thing. The Africans it's, need to put out an SOS and get all their people from the United States, the United Kingdom, Europe, Eastern and Western, come back home. They got engineers. Scientists, doctors, or biologists, all scattered out throughout the world. They're everywhere but in Africa, where they need them at. 
than economic slavery. See, we haven't got to this part of the form. They basically controlled the value and the amount of the currency that they have. That's why the whole they signed group. on to those deals. They did it. They did that. They leaders live in the castle, and the I people are here. poor. They I accept have, that. I have they accept that. And the screen about we did it too. African leaders who signed these agreements. That's on the Africans. I said that a thousand times. All right. So let me let me let me finish here. Let me finish. So go ahead, go ahead, you got Africon over there doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, securing the resources so they come back here where I live. I mean, they ain't going to do nothing but walk on top of it. You know what I'm saying? All the people that know how to do something with it is scattered out throughout the world. They're not there. So somebody got to get it. Um, now, so African let's go to colonialization. Let's go to China. Right? If you that they got in China. Let's go do that too. What you say? Let's go to China and stick up the rice store. Take all the rice out of China. No, we don't. We own. We already got the rice out of Vietnam. But the, the point, the point I'm making. See, that's the whole thing with the Biden, right? I'm talking about one place. You talk about another place to try to. Same thing with people when I talk about Biden, they come and talk about Trump, right? He's going to throw it back. Afrikan is doing their job. Right now. Now, wait a minute. I got got a whole spew here. You keep using these rocks for a minute. I know you want to defend the Africans, (laughs) but I'm going to go against them at all costs, at all times. So you can do whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Colonialized. They're going to forever be colonialized. They still call themselves colonies. Nigeria. When was Nigeria created? Mm. I don't know. Nigeria. Nigeria. Both of them sound like nigger to me. Nigeria. Ghana. All these were created by the Europeans. They put the little borders up. We're going to call it this. And these people still call themselves Ghana, Nigeria. Yeah. So y'all still colonialized. Yeah. Y'all still, that goes back to the Al-Kibalon. If they call themselves Al-Kibalon, at least it's something they, that the Europeans didn't make up for them. You so know what I'm saying? I, I, can, I can respect that. The South you know? Africans refer to themselves as Azanians. <laughs> South Africans as a whole, they, their story is more in line with ours. They, like they, they're the only part of Africa that got that you could compare them to us because they they're under, Africans. huh? They still Africans. No, nah, you got Chwa, you got you got a lot of different tribal people. I mean, you want to call them more African, yeah, but but it's still it's still South Africa is a total shithole, right? Unless you uh, live in the white part of South Africa. I heard right? a lot of them cities is thriving over there. Everybody the, the white parts the of the city. No, no they live in the city and it's called the it's called the shanty town. And right next to the shanty town is a township where the white people live. And they got these Man, big what, what, big dogs they put in front of their house so the black about? people don't wobble. Right? 
It's a shithole. The black, 98% of the people are black, nah. but they live in a shanty mm-hmm. town, and they let the 2% of the people live in them big houses. And why you like, think that no is? fight in them. No, nah, I don't know. I don't see that happening here. Oh, yes, there is, too. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I've Over seen there, black people fighting money. back against the system since I was born. I mean, they don't do an effective job, but at least they fight back. You know what I'm saying? Wait, wait, now, you said reparations. If, 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 if we're going by now, I don't think we're going to get reparations, but if it was on the table, the Africans don't deserve reparations from the United States. You know what I'm saying? They weren't slaves. Here. They wanted through Jim Crow, the Homestead Act, where they took our land. They didn't go through the black holes, redlining. You know, they civil rights move. They just got here. They just got off the boat. And how would they be entitled to what is owed to our ancestors? In fact, they owe us reparations. If we go on by the story that we came from Africa, they sold us to the white men. But that story ain't Because they had tribal beefs with each other. So they owe us reparations if we want to be, if we get them from the white people, then we need to go right after the Africans for the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? Y'all owe us just as much as they owe us. This whole conversation is too broad, and we're making broad, sweeping indictments on things. That's how I like like my indictments. You know I worked at law firms. You got to make them sweeping. (laughs) So they stick. You got to keep it like that. We're making some broad statements, man, that really don't hold. Look, you can can take point by point, and I can give you the point that you want to make, and then I'll come with a counterpoint. In terms of I know you will. That's why I was trying to get you to be quiet so I could make my points, and I, I'm gonna I let know, you talk. Know. You know what I'm saying? I know. But so I know so you're not gonna agree with a lot of people. Don't agree with what I'm saying, but they will. You know what I'm saying? Because right. all, all I right. see coming through here is a bunch of Africans. I'm like, hmm. All right, Listen. watch. Just watch and see. Now the Liberians, the Liberians in the um, Sierra Leoneans. You know what I'm saying? Those is Americans. They they all right with me. I don't got no problem with them. But the rest of them got to go. They got to go and fix their countries up. Those countries are shareholders. If my country was a shareholder, I would be trying to fix it. That's what I'm saying. That's why, that's why we're dealing with Africa. Because uh, I think there's a lot of misconceptions based yeah. on what people don't know. Once you find out what you don't know, then things change dramatically. Because I'm going to tell you, if I can control your currency, remember we used to have these these uh, uh, unwritten rules and regulations called redlining? What did redlining do? Mm-hmm. Cut us living in a certain area. It made sure that your economic prowess was cut off at the kneecap. Now, mm-hmm. Let's go to Africa and give you their their version of redlining. It's called neocolonialism. If I can control your leaders, right, and keep you in a destitute situation, my chances of dictating what you do and how you do it is vastly increased. 
put on top of that the fact that I'm the one that dictates the value of your currency, and I can basically maneuver you like a puppet on a string because all that you have in terms of your value is based upon the value that I give your currency. That's what they did. This is after neocolonialism all the way up until right now. That's why I kept reiterating about the African so who, Central who did Bank that? in Nigeria. Who, who did that? Who did that? I, I, Tut, I have hollered and screamed that the Africans are going to have to get their stuff, to, just like us, get their stuff together, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to remove fake leaders, and that means fighting them. Okay? That's what that means. And I said the same thing applies to us here. Ain't nobody going your freedom. You either going to fight are... for your freedom or you ain't going to have it. We are so if we black people will be in, with black right people now, will be in red line, with black people will be in red line, did black people not form a, formulate a plan and a strategy to start systematically suing people for it and get them to have to stop redlining people? So, Tut, now let me, let me follow this up with what you just said. That's extremely important. With all this Negro intelligence that we've had during the Harlem Renaissance and the just immaculate education that people like Ralph Bunch and the Supreme Court Justice had, right? Why didn't they write it up? They went through Brown versus the Board of Education. When you think that that's their role, But, but black people did start suing the banks for redlining, no, which it, made the banks have to stop the, the practice. It didn't come from the intelligentsia. No, but it had, came from the people, though. The Africans <laughs> haven't done anything to stop their redlining. They're not that's fighting back against point. it. Huh? That's my point. We, we ain't stopped so ours. We still doing redlining. We, we st- but we still it's fighting. We still... Put it up a fight for it. That's what I'm saying. They, I don't see any fight. Y'all got a government. Y'all just cool saying, yo, man, this is messed up in your country. Yeah, it's the government. Well, all right, but well, what y'all going to do about that? Like, that's just cool heard, saying that. Have you heard of I saw white people go in the Capitol, do what they were supposed to do, try to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, these people ain't doing nothing. And yeah, they go all black. Oh, that was, I, that was set up. That wasn't real. I'm done. Okay. African programs. I can play some of them for you. Of young African people all over the continent saying that they ain't having it no more. They're not hiding. Point blank. You got to go. Niger is a classic example of that. They told France, get your ass out of here take your military base with you, and all of the repercussions that come with it don't even fly over our airspace. Unprecedented. There are things happening now. Uh, it's, yeah. It reminds me of that old saying, I love to use this, you'll have no wine before it's time. I think. And that, I, see, mm-hmm. I see the same thing that they did to black people here. They got us all 
to be Republicans, right? They freed the slaves and all that. And then they just switched it and made all the black people Democrats one day. And that's the same it thing. So you kick that. out France. You kick out France and you let in Russia. So you let in another colonial power. No. no. Russia is just, just known for colonializing other white people. You know, it's Georgia a, and Slavs and all those people who were colonialized. But you let it's in another not, colonial power. And they're not stopping a French airplane from flying over them without Ted, a Russian missile. Ted, you know what I'm saying? Ted, they signed contracts with and Russia. This is all about Russia is not coming in Bogart and strong arm and Africans. They signed contracts. That's business. Even here's contracts. That's a that's a huge difference in somebody coming killing half of your population, right? And then telling you, now what you going to do about it? Because, see, I'm going to be honest, man. You, you missed my point. Huh? The point I'm making is they still had to go to another white country and beg for support. It they like they're doing this one. They not doing this on their own. They're doing this because Russia has said, listen, y'all do this, I'm going to support you. If Russia didn't do that, they wouldn't be doing this. So back again, it's not like this is organic. This is being planned by the other side of the white people. Okay, we got a group in here now. Let's get them to contract with us, not commit to their contracts with the with France, and we'll hold you down if France come bother you, all right? No problem. This, this is simple stuff that happens every day where we live. It's not that simple, brother. It's not that simple. France and other African countries have threatened to invade Niger for overthrowing a French puppet. Now, what these other African countries got to do with what's going on in Niger? They, Niger ain't invading them. You know what the answer is? Neocolonialism. You know- okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.